No network, no rules. And at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. When it rains, it pours. Uh, I'm waiting on Kutch to call in. Uh, our guest tonight is Joshua Kutch Kutchin, uh, my dear friend and buddy and author of a number of books. All right, well, he should be calling in in a moment, I guess. So I guess I'll update you because I was gone last week. I didn't do a show, and I feel bad about that. We never do the in-house notes at the end, because by the end of the show, I'm usually exhausted and worn out, and I'm just like, ah, forget, forget in-house notes. Um, but since we're waiting on Kutch, I will, uh, I'll do some in-house notes. Yeah, so I didn't do a show last week, because I was so tired. I was just burning the candle at both ends, like I said uh, earlier uh, on Facebook, when I was telling people, Kutch just got in here now, so, all right, let's bring him in. You don't care about in-house notes. <laughs> Josh Kutchin, what's going on, buddy? Hey, uh, I, I forgot that you use, uh, you're, you're old school, man. You still like the cell phones. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you know, I'm old school. So, yeah, Kutch is, Kutch is uh, not, well, he's familiar with the with the old school ways of Banal, but uh, it's been a while since we had him on the show. Now, because you, you, of your phone problems, dude, this all disjointed. I didn't get to do, you know, my fantastic introduction until... Everyone, how wonderful you are! So, yeah, well, that, that's that, that's on me. Besides, everybody knows, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, uh, I no one, no one I cares about this interview because I was just going to say nobody cares about this interview because tomorrow is the big disclosure day. It's the big DeLong disclosure day. Oh yeah, De- DeLong disclosure. It's almost like uh, it's almost like they planned that. I don't know. Yeah, so let me just yeah, let me just say, folks. Uh, so tonight's guest is Joshua Cutchin. He's here on the show. Uh, he's the author of a couple of great books: the A uh, Trojan Feast, the Food Drinks. Uh, I'm sorry, A Trojan Feast, the Food and Drink Offerings of Aliens, Fairies, and Sasquatch, as well as uh, the Brimstone Deceit, which is all about paranormal smells, uh, which I just love, and and is just such a. Uh, I, I was saying in in sort of the write-ups for the shows here. Uh, these are like outlier aspects of the paranormal, and, and he's put together, like, voluminous work on them. It's not just like some throwaway, like, 150-page book. It's like it's like a monster book, both of them. And he's got another one out, or coming out soon, that he's wrapping up that's uh, all about fairy lore. And that one, I think, is going to be even more beastly in size. So uh, he's he's prodigious. 
and he's looking at stuff that's on the fringe, and, and I have a lot of respect for him for doing that because uh, when you've been doing this stuff this long and looking at this stuff this long, when somebody comes along with some new ideas or new avenues of uh, of exploration, it's just so fucking refreshing. So uh, I, I hold him in the highest regard. Anyone heard, heard the uh, show with Ryan Collier knows uh, we were putting him over huge there. So welcome back to the show, Josh, and thanks for joining us on the uh, 10th and final season of Banal of America. Where'd he go? Oh, he got disconnected. What is going on? Oh, my goodness. Let's see if we get him back. Are you back now? Hello? Yeah, hey. My God. I'm not yeah, doing man, all that gremlins, again. The gremlins, are, the gremlins are strong tonight. I don't, know what, I don't know what it is, man. I'm sorry. Jesus. Anyway, my, my, my phone so is rebooted in the middle of your in the middle of your spiel. Sorry about that. You can listen to it later and have a good cry. Oh shucks. Yeah. Anyway, all right, all right. Hopefully you're back now. I don't know what's going on, but I yeah, think I, I think I, we'll be I, okay, I, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, my phone just like restarted in the middle of your spiel, so I guess I just didn't like the sound of your voice. Wouldn't be the first time. And I had a nickel. Exactly. Well, anyway, now that we've got this, now that we've got this rocky, rocky two-seater, uh, a little flimsy aircraft off the ground. Well, <laughs> welcome back to the show, dude. Uh, it's it's great to have you. And you know, I was joking with you. I've had I've been doing I did a stretch of five first-time guests, and and uh, this ties into the in-house notes at the beginning of the show, folks. I was just like worn out and needed to take the week off. And, and then just started pestering Josh nonstop while he, as he was getting ready to come back from Ireland because uh, I wanted to talk about his trip with him. Um, and the great thing about having somebody who's a, a dear friend and, and a good buddy and, and uh, who's been on the show before is it's a lot less work for me. So I, I really literally have no notes other than that Josh went to Ireland and he wrote uh, and he's writing a book on fairy lore. So we're just going to see where things go. Yeah, after uh, after my first interview, my very 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 first interview before I wrote anything, um, my first interview with Micah, been all of America was my first post book interview. So it's an auspicious day. Nice. Yeah, I didn't know that, but that's awesome. You probably told me that at some yeah. point, but it's uh, I'm yeah. happy to have you back, dude. You know, and and, and I, I'm carefully choosing the people I have on the final season. So I told you I always wanted to get you on because. Uh, to, to be on this final one, because I, uh, I I don't know what the fuck I'm going to be doing, so I want to at least tip people off to, like, the really good folks <laughs> to be checking well, out. And you're, and you're one of them. You're that. putting out, like, such tremendous stuff. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. You know, you're my, you're, you're my brother. We, we, uh, I feel like uh, we always have our own clique at Paramania that sort of just, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, we, we we are we are the uh, we are the nucleus of that particular <laughs> that particular sim, yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're like uh, a break yeah. a breakaway clique, a breakaway clique. Yeah. Um, so tell me about this trip to Ireland. Now uh, you just got back at the end of last week. Um, I guess set it up a little bit. Talk about this. Just you know, we'll we'll dig deeper into the fairies later. Um, you know, I know that sets up kind of like this this journey to Ireland, although it was also like a family vacation. But uh, you know, give us give us sort of the setup in lieu of a bio background, because everybody knows who you are. Um, well, uh, you know, it's it's even before I was into all this stuff, I've always had a soft spot in my life for you know 
Uh, I've always been a bit of an Anglophile, and especially, you know, a bit of a, a Celtophile, so to speak. Um, so, you know, um, uh, just like pub life and like the, the whole the whole Irish, uh, you know, story, it's not storyline, but the whole Irish landscape. Um, and just, you know, mythology and everything has really appealed to me. So it's been like, you know, I was talking with my wife post-trip, and I'm like, I don't really know where else I want to go. <laughs> you know, it's like this, is, this has been such a big uh, big bucket list moment for me that I'm kind of like, eh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there's some other yeah, places yeah. I'd like to go. But, but I, haven't had, I haven't had an itch that, uh, or, or I haven't had a scratch that itched this much in a long time. Um, mm. So we went and we basically did a, a, you know, we hit some touristy things. We uh, We hit, you know, uh, some some major cities, uh, but for the most part, it was like you know, sort of a megalithic uh, tour of the coast. So we started in Dublin, um, landed in Dublin uh, with zero sleep, a uh, nice thirty-six hour day, and then traveled up the coast to Belfast, and then did Belfast up to County Antrim, over to Sligo, and then down to Galway all in one day. Which I talked to some locals, and they're like, "You came from." He came from Belfast and did all that to because we had like four or five tourist destinations that day too. Um, and then for, uh, spent two days in Galway, uh, seeing the seeing the burn, and um, then from Galway to Dingle, um, spent uh, was, you know, two nights in Dingle because um, we we did wow. some, we saw stuff on the way down to Galway. Two nights in Dingle, then over um, basically to County Limerick, uh, but stayed on the uh, shores of Loch Gur. Um, which is a special has a special place in my heart now, and then back into Dublin for the last day. So it was it was a we we saw a ton of the country in a very small amount of time, and you know I I need a I feel like I need a vacation for my vacation, but at the same time, you know I feel so much. Uh, in, in some ways, I I feel a little bit more at peace because I've gotten to see some of these things that I you know was wondering you know 32 can already have a kid soon probably. Um, you know, am I ever going to get to see this? And I got to see it. So uh, there's there's a there's a, a, a corner of my mind that's a lot quieter than it used to be, that's for sure. Nice, nice. Yeah, that sounds fucking amazing, dude. That sounds like uh, I'm I'm amazed in a sense because like, lot, most people when they go on vacation, you know, they just go and stay like they would just stay in Dublin for the week or whatever, or maybe like a couple of days. So you, you did like a tour almost. That's that's badass. Yeah, my wife was uh uh. Did a great job of really organizing what to see next and sort of the, the logistics of where we should go and how we should do it. So basically, you know, we went on the, you know, the upper two thirds of the country and uh, we, I mean, we saw our butts off. We we saw we saw so many things. Some of the tourists, like I said, some of the touristy stuff and some stuff that like if you brought a tourist to, they would not give a damn about. Um, but you know, that's, that's yeah. sort of the way that I like to do it. Um, uh, yeah, there's some some definite highlights that I don't think people would expect. Well, what were, you know, what was sort of, I think a lot of this kind of did, was, it was informed in a sense by the fairy research. Like, was there something you were in particular, like, looking to see amongst other stuff? I mean, yeah, like, like 100%. Like, I mean, you know, Dublin, as, as much as I did enjoy Dublin, you get to a certain point, you know, of seeing stuff and it becomes sort of just a city. Um Yeah. You know, there's it's a very historical city, but there's you know, I'm not the kind of person who's going to go on a ghost bus tour or some you know chintzy stuff like that. So I was pretty much you know jonesing by the second day to get out of town. Um, that second day we made it up to uh, well, we made it up to uh, Burnaboyne, which I, I guess I should probably take a step back here and sort of explain what the whole 
uh, fairy fort thing means in Ireland. Um, yeah. So there are there are a bunch of different like, according to who you talk to, there are between forty and sixty thousand um, ring forts or you know fairy forts in Ireland, um, and they sort of as I you know spent time, I was sort of aware of this tangentially, but as I spent time there in the country, I became more aware of this. They fall into a couple of different categories. You know, you have ring forts that are basically like a, you know, one stone tall that are in a ring that, you know, have trees in the middle. Then you have some ring forts that are, you know, stacked stones, um, you know, to, to chest level in these really elaborate fort structures. And then you have some ring forts that are, you know, uh, sort of uh, more like mounds, more like burial mounds or like stones that have been covered by earth since that, you know, say, uh, over the years. And, um, yeah. And, and just variations on that in between. Um, so I was wanting to see a lot of those, but what that means is that, you know, a lot of times when you want to go look, looking for fairy stuff, you're really looking for uh, either, you know, Neolithic or early Christian dwellings. And the idea is that, um, you know, nobody's really debating that these aren't historical human constructs. The idea is that, you know, the, the fairy folk since moved into those areas. Um yeah, it's, it's sort of conflated with this idea too that uh, you know there's this there's this fine line between the fairy folk and between and the dead. Um, you'll find tons of literature out there where the dead are seen, you know, carousing with fairy folk. Um, there's a famous uh, there's a famous fairy poem, one of the earliest extant texts that we still have um, on fairies, called the Queen of Elfin's Norris, and uh, in it there's a a scene where it says that once you die, there are there are three paths: one to heaven, one to hell, and one to fairyland. So it's almost like so fairyland and fairies are sort of tied in with the dead, sort of limbo, sort of psychopomp uh, thing. So you're not only seeing, you know, on the one hand you're seeing mythological stuff, but on the other hand you're seeing very realistic, um, very realistic historical ancient sites. So one of those sites between um, one of the sites between Dublin and Belfast is uh, Burnaboyne, which is uh, a series of uh, uh, megalithic mounds, burial mounds, um, and they're incredibly well uh, well uh, preserved. One of them, uh, Nalf, has 30% of the surviving 30% um, of the surviving megalithic artwork in Western Europe, um, and that's oh, one wow. site alone. Yeah, it's one site that's like I think it's, it might even be less than an acre. Um, and you know, you look at the you look at the artwork, and it's 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 all around these stones, these large stones that are around the base of the largest uh, burial tomb, which is you know it looks sort of like a hillock. Um, but the, the you know the, the shapes that you see are you know circles, concentric circles, snakes, zigzags, spirals, chevrons, triangles, diamonds, that sort of thing. And it was it was really interesting on the tour that we took because the the tour guide was like. You know, some people. You know, some people say that these are the sort of shapes that you'd see in an altered state, brought on by meditation or other methods. <laughs> like, yeah, what sort of other methods you could possibly be talking about? But you know, it's interesting to me too. Like, I mean, those are all shapes that people see in the UFO experience too. I mean, concentric circles, chevrons, triangles. I mean, it's you know, it's really sort of one and the same. And I think everybody who's even moderately familiar with my work knows that I have this axe to grind about the similarities between. Uh, you know the fairy folk and uh, and you know modern ufology. Um, I know. But, uh, so it really grinds your gears. <laughs> no, it 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 uh, it fires my engine more than grinds my gears. Um, oh boy. 
But, now, let me uh, ask you a question. I'm going to jump in yeah. just to just to, so people know that I'm still here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 gotta, I, I, haven't talked, I, I haven't talked to anybody about this, so I'm like, I'm really I, I know, I, I know, and I, I, I tend to get lazy, so I might sit back, and then I'll look and be like, shit, the show's over. Uh, so <laughs> I got a simple question in a sense, but, like, um, it, it – all right, I'll just I'll just throw it out there. So, like, you're in Ireland, though. That's the land of the leprechaun. What's the difference? And is it is it all sort of because because you I part of me thinks like oh do they just call it like leprechaun stuff there or or do they have some differentiation even there between the two entities? I mean, yeah. If you want to put in sort of a ufological context, I mean, <laughs> the leprechaun is to fairy folklore as Area 51 is to, or actually as Roswell is to you know. Uh, ufology. Um, you, you actually see a lot less. So it's like a bastardized uh, version, kind of of the of the fairy it's, it's, thing. It's just, I mean, it's, it's something that started out with some legitimate, you know, interest and some legitimacy to it, but over time, it just sort of became this overly commercialized, diluted um, thing with just a bunch of bunch of junk around it. The, the, the difference in terms of fairy lore between the leprechaun and sort of the fairies is that you know you generally divide fairies into two categories. You have your trooping fairies, which are the fairies that tend to, you know, go through spots at night, or the fairies that tend to congregate around burial mounds, and then you have your solitary fairies, which are the fairies that tend to congregate, tend to stay alone, rather, um, in woods, on, you know, uh, you know uh, un- untrodden paths, um, that sort of thing. Um, so you have your yeah. leprechaun, your clericon, and, and, and it's almost like you know, the fairy folk sort of kick the leprechaun out for being Tim Banal, like for being too crusty and too ornery. And <laughs> oh, jeez, all right. I get you. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, it, you don't it, – it doesn't have that sort of robust uh, localized tradition. I mean, like the places that you would see leprechauns would tend to be the sort of liminal areas like bridges and, you know, the edges of forests. You don't have that connection to fairy mounds. Um, and to Neolithic sites that you do with the fairy folk, like the trooping fairies. Yeah, yeah, like a leprechaun, you you know, you'll encounter when you're like stumbling home drunk, or or like uh, I don't know, in a shady alley somehow, you'll run into one. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that that's the thing. There was um, I, I heard a uh, I heard a story uh, while I was there of of, of a supposedly a drunk who, who ran to a leprechaun on the way home. The idea is that if you caught a leprechaun, he was, he was making shoes, and if he, he was so invested in making shoes that you could actually sneak up behind him and catch him. And if you caught a leprechaun and he uh, did not um, – and you, 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 didn't keep your, you didn't take your eyes off of him, uh, he would actually be forced to sort of lead you to where he has buried his, his gold. So in this particular case, a drunk man came up behind a leprechaun and grabbed it by the neck and stared at it. And he sort of like as he stared at it, he was asking it where its gold was, and he finally found it. And uh, and uh, he what he ended up doing is he ended up tying a red ribbon around the tree that was beside the treasure. And he told the leprechaun, he said, "I'm going to leave now, but you have to swear for me, or else I won't let you go, that you will not touch the ribbon on this tree." And the leprechaun said, "I swear not." So he goes back to get a spade, and he comes back to where he had, he had tied the ribbon around the tree, and there's a ribbon tied around every tree in sight. <laughs> so that's the sort of stories yeah. that you get from, from leprechauns. You know, typical trickster sort of, you know, hard to talk to all, you know, <laughs> touristy, sanitized yeah. stuff. Um, but, you know, uh, the leprechauns, I actually hear more about the cluricon than the leprechaun. And the cluricon um, was, you know, sort of a, a real bastard. I mean, it's like imagine everything that you – 
imagine the surliness of the leprechaun uh, taken to you know to the to the clericon. So you're at this place now. We'll jump back to the thing. That's all. That's kind of all I wanted to know because part of me is just like, so they, so they, when you're taking the tour, they are, they are talking about uh, that they're fairies. No, well, in this particular case, I'm like they're you know trying to be sort of respectful about it. I mean, there are fairy associations with with Brinaboy, and I just read the other day about. Um, you know, being a place that was well known to see anomalous lights, like earth lights, like fairy lights. Um, but uh, but on this particular tour, they're just emphasizing the uh, the megalithic you know aspect of it. And if you read between the lines, you can see some of these you know these more esoteric aspects. But you know, on the whole, it's very much about you know this is a an ancient burial burial site that you know it's, they're they're very much on the up and up about it being you know very sort of materialist history of Ireland sort of attraction. Yeah, interesting. Um, if, if you want, I'm like, there, there were ferry tours that you could take, and I didn't take any because I just wanted to find stuff on my own. Um, it, it, it's, I know it's an odd trend where whenever I'd ask people about, because there were a couple of different locations that I went to where there was, I, was, I was looking actively for a specific ferry fort. Um, and whenever I'd ask, they'd be like, you know, the, the, the people that we, I'd run into would be like, oh, well, I don't know about one around here, but, and they'd start listing, you know, tourist sites, and they'd be like, oh, you, you find them everywhere, you know, in the south of Ireland or whatever. And it was it was almost weird because, like, sometimes I would have conversations like that with people, and then, you know, 100 yards down the road, I'd find exactly what I was looking for. And I'm like, you didn't think to, to mention that to me, that that, was what, <laughs> that might be what I was looking Maybe for? Maybe it's a weird, so, yeah. Maybe it's like a weird thing where it's like, they don't want to send you to the one near them, so they send you to the. They sort of put you off. Yeah, I think the, uh, I think it's one of two things. I think it's I think they either become sort of numb to it, you know. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I, I maybe it's like you know creeks in South Georgia or something. It's like yeah, there's creeks around here. I don't even notice them because I see them all the time. But on the other hand, you know, it does it does have that sort of like almost Lovecraftian like you know, <laughs> let me let me steer you away from our town's dark secret sort of thing. Because um, I have some examples that I can give later where they're like, I, I can't believe that. Like, I'm I'm literally, well, we might as well skip ahead. Like, um, one of our days going between Galway to Dingle, I heard that there was, because, okay, so I'd seen, seen Bernaboyne, which is, which is, you know, a megalithic burial site. And that's sort of a fairy mound, or fairy fort rather, but not quite. And it's also, you know, it's a tourist site. And I wanted to see something that was like one of these spots that nobody ever goes to. Um, and then I also uh, made the hike up Nocknery, which we can talk about, put a pin in that, um, in between the two days. But getting back to this example of people just not talking to me about things, um, we had driven through the Burren, which is a part in Western Ireland, a uh, part of Western Ireland. So it's it's very uh, very rocky and also is rich in folklore, um, around just to the west of uh, to the west of Galway and. Uh, I had heard that there was a fairy fort near this town of Ballyvaughan. And, uh, you know, the day before, my wife and I, and I had been on a, t- on a tour that had passed through Ballybon, and I asked the bus driver, and he said, oh, yeah, it's up there. So the next day on our, our way out of town, my wife and I uh, sort of went in that direction and had to hop an electric fence into a cow pasture, um, which the good news is that if you're wearing denim jeans, uh, you can probably straddle an electric fence, and the voltage is low enough that it won't electrify you, but you do not want to form a closed circuit with your fist around the wire. Learned that the hard way. Did you do that? Um, yeah, oh yeah, I definitely did that. I definitely did that. Did Some you, of the stronger happened? ones. Were you, you like could... shocked? 
Oh no, just it was just like a little uh, like a little static electricity shock. Some of the stronger ones you can actually take like a leaf to, and you can touch the leaf to the wire, and you can feel the feel that it's electric through the wire. But this one, I actually crossed over the first time without realizing it was electric because you know I had my jeans were slung low and the denim sort of absorbed yeah. it and it wasn't that strong. But you know, on the way back, I put my hand around it and it gave me a little bit of a almost like a like a hand buzzer sort of thing. You know? um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one you posted the picture of that you, <laughs> that you trust yeah, the, the, Yeah, yeah, yeah the, very, the very first one. Yeah, the very first one. So, so we went in the direction that he pointed us to, and it was wrong. And I just, But I'd heard that there was one on this specific road near this community. So I'm like, I'm at the end of the road, and it ends, like it says, there's a sign that says cul-de-sac, and it's a one-lane dirt road. And I'm like, there's got to be something around here. So I continue down the dirt road, and I run into, as you do in Ireland, somebody walking along the path because so many people, the towns are so small and it, a lot of people just walk to walk to places in Ireland, which I think is part of the reason that they have, or, you know, are still more in touch with, uh, still more in touch with their surroundings because, you know, they're spending more time in transit. Um, but we talked with this guy for a little bit and I said, you know, do you know if there's a, a ring for it? Cause I don't want to sound like a crazy person saying, you know, are the ferries down here? Is, is there a ring for it down here? Yeah. He's like, oh, I think there's a ring for it. Yeah, there's. And he, start, he goes into like the touristy ring for it, and I said, no. I said, is there one down this road? And he goes, oh, maybe, but I'm not sure if you can get to it. And he says, he says, he says, you want to see this? You want to see these other ones? Continue on down, you know, continue down this road and turn around the cul-de-sac, and, and you, you should go to these others. Which we ended up going to some of those other sites, and they were fine, but they weren't, you know, again, they weren't like the nitty-gritty that I was looking for. So I continue. Yeah. So they just like, keep giving you the brush off. This is so weird. Yeah, and I continue. I, I go down like again. We pass him. He's he's heading. Um, he's heading in the direction that we're driving, and I pass him. And in like less than two hundred yards, there's this little pull-in beside a pasture, and there's like a textbook perfect uh, ring fort. Now it isn't the ring fort that has the giant mound, but it definitely is the ring fort that's about two stones deep of a, of, of a circle of stones. And you can tell on the inside that nobody has touched this thing. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's. It's one of the uh, the lower profile ring forts, but it's also just like it's 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 absolutely like you could look at it if you know what you're looking for. You could look at it and say it's safe. It's exactly it. And I found a couple yeah. other ones that I wasn't able to get to because they were farther off the highway. And I'm, I'm freaking out because this is exactly what I wanted to see. And of course, he catches up with us. And I said, "This is, is this has got to be the ring fort." And he looks and he goes, "Oh, I suppose so." And then he talks to us. Then he talks to us about gun control in America for about, you know, three minutes, and then he walks along. So I, I said, it's there. I, I, Jesus. I, I say that. Yeah, it's just weird. So I say, I say, to, say to my wife, I say, look, we've, here's the thing. I don't know if I'm ever going to get back here. I have traveled eight hours across an ocean. I'm not going to do anything nefarious. It's the middle of the day. I can't see this person's, this, this landowner's house. I can't go up and ask him. Like, I'm just going to pop this cattle, this, you know, this cattle, this cattle gate. And I'm going to go up to this ring for it. Spend less than 10 minutes on his land. So we pull down the road a little bit until the guy walks out of sight and he thinks that we've left. And then I back up and I hop the fence and I go out there. And it was, it was, even though I, that was the first of like probably seven different um, ferry sites that I saw, it was in a lot of ways the most um, impactful for me because A, you know, it's, it's not a tourist destination. It's, it's just sitting out here on private land. But B, like it was, it was incredible. Some of the pictures that I I posted, I think, kind of get this across. But like, everything in Ireland is so green and lush and beautiful. And uh, I would say about three feet into this ferry, this ferry ring, it's it's dark. The uh, trees look sickly, 
and it's just it, there's no light coming through. It was it was the most the starkest representative representation of like inside the woods, outside the woods that I've ever seen. So um, yeah, it was I, uh, pretty amazing. I, I was looking at those pictures uh, that you posted. It's like yeah. And I, I it, it, looked, it looked kind of like a hut almost in a sense. Like did the tree, it looked seemed like the trees kind of curled, like, like 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 it was a very tight sort of ring looking thing. Like you could go you like went in like almost like when you had to like crouch into like a, almost like a little structure almost. Yeah, I mean you would you would have to do that. And of course you know to be clear, I didn't I didn't ever I didn't ever penetrate the ring. Um, <laughs> there there were some no, more touristy sites. There were there were some more touristy sites that I actually you know actually entered. Forts, but with something like that that obviously hadn't been touched that was on private land, I'm like, I'm not going at all. So, you know, every 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 morning we stayed in a couple of different bed and breakfasts, and every morning, you know, they come by. Wow, you really seem to like your toast. I'm like, yeah, I do. And I'm shoving toast in, the, in the, uh, the the pockets of my jacket because I'm I'm taking them for offerings to leave at the ferry forts. Um, wow. So I, I, I yeah, so I ended up leaving I ended up leaving some some toast there, uh, and I took a little video which is going to be I think uh, Soraya is going to share it with where do the road go patrons. Um, but I took videos of all the different ferry forces that I went through and described some stuff. But that one, even though it wasn't you know um, a recognized example, I showed it to some other people like this is what I think it is, right? And somebody's like, oh yeah, I've got one on my property. It looks exactly like that. So this was, I mean, this was sort of my, this was my baby because it was, it was, it was something that I, you know, I've written about at length that I have seen for the first time, and I found it, you know, regardless of, of how many, how much trouble I had finding it, I found it myself. So I was just, I was absolutely beside myself uh, for the rest of that day. It was, it was, it was astounding for me. Uh, so I know a lot of people are like, now is, it, <laughs> it looks is like there a like a place? Of trees, but... Sorry, yeah. is there like a is there like a place where you can report that? Is it the kind of thing? Is, does someone keep track of these things, or is it sort of like? Uh, I mean, you said you knew of some places where they were. Like, how? Who, who tracks this stuff? Is there a place that does? Well, that's the thing that sort of has astounded me. Um, has uh, offended you? you know, I, but it astounded me because I mean, oh, astounded! I, I thought you said offended. Yeah. I was like, Jesus! No, 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 yeah. no, no! It astounded me because you know you read about. Forty to sixty thousand ring forts on an island about the size of Indiana. Like, so you think that you'd be seeing them all the damn time, right? It wasn't until several days into the trip that I realized that they're actually kind of hard to see because, you know, a if you, a, well, okay, a couple different reasons. A, um, there are hedges everywhere in Ireland. Like, I recommend anybody who goes to Ireland take a bus tour for one day just so you can see over the damn hedges because some, some, so much of the time. You like see like you know this entrance entrance into a pasture. You're like, wow, it's really beautiful. And then for the next you know half mile, you're just staring at this uh, this, this wall of this wall of bushes. Um, Weird. So that's sort of that's sort of you know it's stymie you finding these. But the other thing is that if you're viewing these at eye level, a lot of times they just look like hills. Um, and until you know what you're looking for, like I'm sure that I passed again with as much as we traveled. I'm sure that I passed like probably upwards of 500 of these things. But wow. between you know, but between perspective and being able to get out and see them and being able to get out to them, um, you know, you can't always pinpoint them. Of course, you know, once you know what to look for, by day four you've seen so many that it's like, oh, it's another ferry fort. But that that was the first one where I was like, this is unambiguously exactly what I'm looking for, a hundred percent. And I'll yeah. if you I'll, do you do show notes or anything for BOA? Do I, I do remember. what? Show notes. Show, show notes. notes for banal. Show notes. 
Oh, like, like I post up. Yeah, yeah, we do like yeah. a recap. Why you want me? To, I'll, I'll throw the pictures up or a link to the pictures. Yeah, yeah. I'll, the pictures I'll, are they I'll, on your website? Do you have yeah, a website? I'll, I'll, I, I think I linked I'll, them. I'll, I'll send them. Yeah, I'll send them to you, and I also um, I'll I'll be putting up a post soon too, um, because again, this is sort of me circling back around the original question. I'd like to sort of put out a couple of examples of what these look like because they they can look very different from from fairy fort to fairy fort. Um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm astounded that there has not been some sort of enterprising graduate student who hasn't gone through and tried to record these. I mean, if these were in America, every single one would probably have a national park around. But just for the you know the prehistoric heritage significance alone. Um, yeah. But you know, they, they're they're so rich with this sort of history that they're just <laughs> almost literally tripping over them. People have them on their private land and. Um, See, so yeah, I will post them to my website and also send some some your way because, like I said, they, they take a couple of different forms in terms of uh, in terms of how they look. But uh, you know, a lot of the times the tradition is still very much respected. I mean, it was obvious that this farmer had not done anything to this grove. It's self-contained in a ring of rocks. Um, like I said, a ring of rocks two deep, uh, stacked one high. And uh, he hadn't done anything to it. Interestingly enough, the cows obviously hadn't been passing through there, and there were some, you know, groves and such where you could see cow, uh, cattle pass that had gone through, but the cows hadn't disturbed this at all. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's sort of like the old uh, thing that you hear about people doing in Iceland, rerouting around ferry locations. I mean, there are still there are stories of, of you know, construction projects that reroute around not only ferry forts, but also... Uh, reroute around alleged fairy trees, which are, you know, a single, whenever you see a single tree in a field, especially if it's a hawthorn tree, that is a fairy tree or a fairy bush, and if you mess with it, then you're going to suffer bad luck. Um, okay, now I'm confused, though. we got to circle back to my problems with, unlike that episode of The Office. Uh, uh, so, but in Iceland, they're elves, but are we all, are we still talking sort of about the same Tax uh, like I'm sure there's sort of a regional taxonomy, but 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 are, are these entities essentially kind of the same thing? No, fairy fairy studies tend to tend to lump together. I mean, when you talk about fairies, it's sort of a catch-all. Um, well, number one, you probably wouldn't call them fairies; you'd call them the gentry or the good folk or the people of peace or the fair folk. But the fairies what about are elementals. Is that is that kind of like the modern what? version? Hey, hey, come on, slow down, slow down. Um, what? <laughs> Oh. Elementals, hey. elementals are a, elementals are a Victorian interpretation of what the fairy folk probably meant. Really, when you drill down to it, the fairy folk were probably associated with an animistic pagan um, with animistic pagan land spirits. Um, but the, the term fairies really does encapsulate fairies, leprechauns, um, elves, as you mentioned. Uh, but also things like trolls, even tall things like giants are considered part of the fae folk taxonomy. Mermaids are considered part of the fairy folk um, because they all do blend together and they all sort of share the same values and methods by which they um, by which they kidnap people and by and the same sort of methods by which they operate. The same sort of rules that apply, you know, the, that idea that if you yeah. go to visit the fairies, if you go to visit a giant, you can't eat from a giant. If you go to visit from a mermaid, you can't eat from the mermaid. And go to visit the faith folk, you can't eat from the faith folk either because you'll be trapped with them forever. Um, so that's really what they all are. Again, the place that I've arrived at is that this is probably describing some sort of phenomena that's very much closely associated with the dead. Um, I think that there is some validity to the idea that 
fairies are psychopomps. They are sort of spirits that facilitate interaction with our world and the world of the dead. You can't get around the fact that a lot of these fairy forts, these fairy sites are, you know, they're they're, they're literally uh, prehistoric sites where people have found, like, prehistoric arrowheads, prehistoric, you know, campfire sites. Like, these are unambiguously human sites. But there is also, at the same time, simultaneously, this association with these, you know, earth spirits. So, Trying to trying to reconcile those two is sort of where I'm at right now, and I'm kind of kind of settling on this idea that they're intercessor spirits between the world of the dead and the world of the living. Hmm. Okay. So these hedges are a problem in Ireland. Now you joked with me uh, about fairy lights. Um, talk a little bit about this, because did you do anything like that trying to see if you? Can, I don't know what you can really do, right? You just be outside at night. Yeah. Right? I don't know what else. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. And, and yeah, so you can go outside at night, and uh, when you do that with a wife who loves you and supports your stuff, but doesn't want to spend two hours outside. Like, I remember one night we stayed out, and she was like, you really need Tim and Greg here. They'd stay up with you. Um, uh, so, yeah, my, my thing is I'm not, I mean, so if I'm honest in my heart of hearts, I am respectful of the idea of these fairy folk, but I'm not like I'm not afraid of the idea of seeing the fairy folk or interacting with the fairy folk if there is some sort of objective reality to it. What I'm afraid of is the bad luck that you hear. I mean I'm sure you've heard about people who take rocks from um certain uh certain sacred sites in Hawaii. Sites and, yeah. And, yeah, and, and they they like their luck is so bad that these, these these national parks in Hawaii actually receive shipments of rocks coming to them because people are like, I took a rock and now my luck, you know, my car broke down and my uncle has cancer and all this stuff. So like, that's what I'm afraid of is that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so, no, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, it's bad mojo so in some instances. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's why I was always very respectful, and I you know I didn't take anything, and I always made sure to like you know stock up on bread and toast from the bed and breakfast. For, you know, for the trip, so that I could always leave something behind. Uh, there was once or twice where I didn't have any bread. Once or twice where I didn't have any bread, so I left, you know, I left a coin behind. Just something that just says, you know, if you're real, don't be mad at me for being here. Um, which I think, you know, I think in this case, intent is, is everything. So with that in mind, I was sort of, you know, I mean, like a little bit hesitant to go out of these space spots at night. But when we went to um, when we went to County Limerick, this is a site that we, I could talk about ad nauseum, this, this area. Um, I did, there were a couple of different sites, a couple of different megalithic sites. One of them is the largest stone circle in Ireland where I had something, probably the weirdest thing on my trip happened to me. Um, we can talk about that if you want to. Oh. Um, but there were also um, two ferry forts there called uh, called Carrigal, uh, two different ring forts. Now, these are the ring forts that don't look like the one that I saw first time. These, these are the ones that are about chest high or a little bit, you know, waist high or chest high. Um, and they're stacked stones, several stones deep. Um, a lot of these ancient stone structures don't use masonry of any sort. They're just stacked stones. It's incredible that they're as, as stable as they are. Um, yeah. But these are stacked stone. These are stacked stone ring forts. Um, in this case, they weren't, you know, some, sometimes you see them and there aren't, there isn't any vegetation growing on them. But these had a little bit of, you know, vegetation and a little bit of um, growth where they're starting, starting to blend into the countryside a little bit. Um, but I went to these two these two ferry forts at night around Lochker, and uh, it um, you know I stood out there for a while and nothing happened. It was dead as a doornail. Um, I left my little bed and breakfast bread behind, but uh, <laughs> but that's that's uh, that's about now, as good as I got places, for that. I'm a man now because the ones you just described sound kind of 
maybe I'm just because maybe all these sort of Irish names blend together, but I feel like I've kind of maybe heard are these are these places popular in a Stonehengean way where it's like were you the only one there to see this cool stuff like the largest stone uh, monument there in Ireland or were, or were there's like actual other people there? Well, I mean there are sixty thousand, so they can't all be they can't all be that popular. Right, right, um, right. Well, that one's the largest. I don't know if they like have a little you know a gift shop and everything. <laughs> That's kind of what. Yeah, that's I mean, kind of where the the nail I'm driving here. No, uh, no, no. I mean, they're they're even even the most popular ones that I saw. The most the most popular one that I saw, which was actually strikingly well preserved, um, was a fairy ring fort right at the beginning of um, what's called the Dingle Loop, which is sort of the loop that you do around the uh, the Dingle <laughs> the Dingle ring, the Ring of Dingle. Sorry, the Ring of Dingle, which sounds even dirtier than the Dingle Loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the uh, the, uh, the the beginning of the Ring of Dingle, there's there's a uh, some some enterprising farmer who has set up you know fairy forts and uh, and and sheep petting in the same spot. So like you know my wife, me and my wife, something for everybody, right? Fairy fort sheep. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, and that's the most popular one that I saw. You paid like three euro and you got to walk along the fairy fort. It was actually a really good uh, presentation, a representation, or really well preserved, I should say. Um, because there was a stone structure, but over time you could tell where, you know, sod had eventually covered it, and it was covered with, um, you know, fairy thorns around the top. Um, but even that had, like, I think at the most, like, four people beside it. So you're not going to run into, like, a, you know, a gift shop or anything like that. Um, and that was the most that was the most popular one that I saw. Most people don't care about these things. Um, yeah. You know, to the to the folklorists, the archaeologists are kind of a big deal. Or the fourteen, um, but to most people they aren't, they aren't that big a deal. Now that particular ring, that particular uh, ring fort at Dingle, was made up of two uh, separate circular mounds inside each other. So there's sort of a trough in the middle, um, and you can see, especially in that, in that example, because that was quite tall. I have some pictures of that as well. Um, I'd say like the tops of the the the, the, uh, the tops of that fairy fort were about fifteen feet tall, probably. Um, and, you know, you could walk through the trench with a 15-foot wall on either side. And you can see in that example why some early farmers would actually take their livestock um, to protect them at night in the, uh, in the ring forts, um, which is something that apparently was, was, was quite a common practice at one point. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not, not like, so for example, so going out there at night after dark to these two that I went to at night, um, there was nobody around at, at all. Um, okay. Not to mention, not to mention the fact that it was like what, that particular location was um, a, was a a spot in County Limerick um, called Loch Gur, which is actually um, it's 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 a site in Ireland. It's an area of the country that has been con- continuously inhabited for about eight thousand years. Kind of a big deal. Um, in terms of you know, <laughs> in terms of <laughs> kind of in terms of archaeological archaeological significance, it's a huge deal. Um, I think a lot of people would go there and find it boring, but I found it absolutely fascinating. Um, there are multiple uh, cairns, multiple uh, stone circles, multiple fairy forts in that area. Um, the, the primary things that we visited that day, in addition to some, some ruin, uh, in addition to a ruined church, um, were the two fairy forts at Kerrigal, Um Another site called the Giant's Tomb, which is a uh, megalithic um, standing pretty short. Uh, but the, the really cool thing was the um, the largest stone circle in Ireland, actually. Yeah, um, you said the weirdest thing on the trip happened to you there. I didn't. Let, I wasn't going to let that go. So what? Yeah, what was the weird thing that happened? Well, 
So you know me, like you know that I. Well, no, of course I do. Um, you know, I, I, I am, I am. You, you know me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a woo guy. Like I'm not. I'm not going to make up things that don't happen. I said I'm not a woo guy. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You would make up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so somewhere between wanting to believe and not wanting to make up stuff, like that's that's sort of where I sit. Um. So we we actually made the great decision um, to hire a private uh, tour. It was actually a, a gentleman who had spent all of his life in Walker and actually went to get a master's in archaeology and came back and helped sort of found the Heritage Center there. An elderly gentleman by the uh, name of Michael Quinlan, who kept calling me Jake, and I just didn't have the courage to, to correct him. I was like, sure, I'll be Jake. <laughs> um, he wasn't doing it. Was he doing but, it in a grandfatherly uh, way? Yeah, it was, like, it was like having Tolkien, like, take you around... <laughs> Take you around all these ancient spots. So it was, it was really charming. I, it was that was while well, calling you by the wrong name. Yeah, calling me the other way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like Tom, Tom Banal. Hey, Tommy. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, that would drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to swallow with my pride. But um, he was yeah. he was an interesting. He was a really interesting character because he was he was very well informed about the archaeological realities of the of the site, but it was also very open to um, very open to the other sort of. Um, you know, more Fortean aspects of it. And so after, you know, talking to us about uh, the construction of the stone circle, which um, which was, you know, uh, I'm going to get my notes here. Um, the stone circle was actually constructed, it's actually 400 years older than Stonehenge. Um, circa wow. 3000 BC, yeah, circa 3000 BC. Some of the largest stones were from three miles away. Um, wow. And, uh, he, um, so it, 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 it's, it's, it's well known because um, it's said that the sun will rise and set between the entrance points on the solstices, solstices and the uh, equinox. In reality, that's not like, true. Like it a actually, um, yeah, but in reality, it's a little bit off. It's actually um, it uh, rises and sets on May 1st and August 1st, in one example, and November 1st, which are not they're not the solstice; they're quarter days. Um, which are between well, you know, tectonic plates and whatnot. Well, yeah, that's that's the other thing. Yeah, I I I was thinking about that earlier because there was something that uh, I can't remember what I saw, but there was another site where something had shifted because of um, because of uh, tectonic movement. I'm like, well, that totally could have totally could account for something like that. Um, I wish that you and I had the uh, you could you I could see you doing this, but I wish that I had the the uh, wherewithal to. We need to find like a scientist. Who could like plug, take that spot and like plug it in to some kind of computer program and show where it should be if it did match up with the solstice? Oh, I think that if you could actually get somebody interested, that could totally be determined. Um, I know, I know, that's the cool part. It's like I would not do that, but some astronomer, if any astronomer types are listening, that would be a cool project to do. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was fascinating. It was um. I'm trying to remember, it was 113 stones, um, 150 feet across, um, and so the site has a lot of the site has a lot of folklore attached to it. Supposedly, there was a musician who wanted to learn how to play the uh, the harp, and he fell asleep in the stone circle. And when he woke up, supposedly he came back into town, and the fairies had taught him how to play, you know, shades of the old blues guy at the crossroads. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. But um, 
you know, and so there's some people, there's some Wiccans who like to go there and have their, like, you know, have their moments late at night. But uh, this particular gentleman said, you know, have you ever heard of ley lines? I'm like, dude, have I? Have, <laughs> yeah, 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 I have. And he said he, he had said that he had been out there with, you know, uh, with people with dowsing rods, and their dowsing rods go crazy. Um, he said that uh, he had been out there with a psychic who claimed that under uh, one spot she had gotten a vision of... Um, of basically a you know a neolithic uh, sacrifice where these druids slice a woman's throat open with their canine tubes, you know. And I you know my thing was you know it's, coming from a psychic, I'll believe that more than I'll believe like this is a place where the vibrations are higher. <laughs> you know, I would I would believe yeah. this place. Yeah. If you see a lot of these a lot of these circular areas, they think um, had served a ritual purpose in terms of like providing seating or providing an elevated spot for people to see what's happening in the center of the ring. Um, ah. So, but there's, there's well, you know, one it could large... be like it could be it could be like uh, how there how nowadays there's like pubs on every corner. Uh, at least they were in London, or like how every TV, how every house has a TV. Or it's like three thousand years ago it was like you didn't have a TV, dude. You had a Mound, and that's yeah. that's what yeah, we did. Exactly. We hung around the mound, and the dude told stories. And now they call them fairy rings. Three thousand years later. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's yeah. I, mean, I think that's entirely. I think it's entirely. Uh, <laughs> it makes much again. It makes as much sense as anything else. Um, and here I'll blow your mind now, Kutch, because then it's like think about that, right? But then think about sort of like all of that. Um, concentrated, accumulated sort of psychic, psychical energy. You know what I'm saying? Like if you took all of your life experiences watching TV and, and like quantified that energy, that energy is still at the mound, like from all those people, from all that time. It's like somehow it, it, the, the energy stuck at the mound. I mean, can you imagine focusing on something that is a natural, not natural because it was created by humans, but like something that's, physical in nature with no distractions, you know, and, and say what you want to about some ideas of, you know, the, uh, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the stone tape theory of hauntings and whatnot, but the idea that, you know, certain spots in the land or certain, you know, mineral deposits can actually sort of record and, and record or hold energy of, of some sort. Like, yeah, yeah I that's think what that's what talking like, about, yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, to, to that end, like, the guide was like, you know, I'd say, he, spent, he spent like 45 minutes just standing there talking with us about this. And he said, he said, I'm, I'm, he said, I want to leave He's tapping into that energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he was, he was sprightly. He was about 80-something, but he was, he was, you know, kicking my butt. Um, uh, oh, by the way, this is the only trip that I've ever come back weighing less than I left because, like, we were averaging about 20,000 steps, and, like, at least half of that was uphill. <laughs> yeah. That's so much climbing. Oh, jeez. Um, uh, yeah, I was exhausted. Like, I, I, there were some days where I changed shirts halfway through the day because I was just soaked through. Um, but uh, in this but case, you loved was, every minute said, of it. Oh yeah, no, every every minute, dude. I was like, yeah, if I could exercise like that, I would be, you know, skinny as a rail if I had that sort of goal. But uh, you know, Michael at some point he was like, you know, I've talked to you for a little while, I've told you about the history of the uh, history of the circle. Because I'm going to do two things. Like, first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to step, step away so you can have about five to ten minutes just to spin here, the two of you yourselves. And this is like, this is at like 2:30 in the afternoon. And there's nobody around. Now, granted, it's not tour season, but I also think that has something to do with the fact that just people don't go to this place. Um, 
So this, this, we're sitting here in the, in the, in the Grange Stone Circle, the Locker Stone Circle, you hear it called, or you'll hear it called the Grange Stone Circle. And he says, I want you to go over to this particular stone. He points to it, and it's the largest stone in the entire ring. It's 13 feet high. It weighs 40 tons. Wow. And I found out later, I found out later it's named the Black One, because it's named, <laughs> it's named which is not ominous at all. Um, it's yeah. named after uh, it's named after a Celtic mythological figure that brought grain uh, to the uh, to the Celtic people. Jesus. Um, but he says he says I want you to close your eyes and put your head against that. He says some people feel like they're energized when they do that. And so you know me, I kind of love for something to happen, and at the same time, I kind of think I kind of you know think probably nothing's going to happen. Um, yeah, that's, that nothing that's exactly how I am. Yeah. Yeah, like I'd, I'd love for something to happen. Probably nothing's going to happen. Um, right, yeah. Like I, I really wish something would happen, but I'm working cynical, so I'm like, nothing's gonna happen. You know, it's not just it's my luck. It's my luck. I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so I went up to it and I put my, uh, I closed my eyes, put my forehead against it, and nothing happened. I said, well, that's, that's sort of disappointing. But you know, we were just there for a little bit. I, I left my left my little you know my loaf, my breakfast loaf, on one of the rocks just. <laughs> <laughs> just to be safe, I'm just leaving bread all over Ireland to cover my ass. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, um, yeah. They're gonna, I, I should check like the BBC. They're gonna be like, <laughs> it seems that the bread terror has stopped in Ireland. We don't know why. We don't know who was putting bread all over the northern part of the country, but it appears it stopped. It could be a prank from flat Earth people. We don't know. <laughs> I'm like, or or I'm a Hansel and Gretel cosplay or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, so I, I go back up to the stone and I close my close my eyes and put my forehead against it, and I'm doing this for about probably about 20 seconds. And then this happened to me later because we went back there that night and I did it again, and I didn't think it would happen, and it happened again. And both times I pushed away, and I, I really wish I just sort of leaned into it. But after about 20 seconds, I felt like my forehead became slippery, and I could feel myself falling forward into the rock. Whoa! And nice. This happened. This happened for about like a, about a second before I pushed myself back. You know, just as a reaction. And mm. it was weird. Like you're falling. Yeah, honest, I, I know weird. exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like when you start falling asleep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was like that sort of like falling, falling backwards asleep. But you're falling forward, and like I can't get over how like how slippery the center of my forehead was. Now maybe I just you know maybe I have some you know active pores or something. Pouring out grease and oil or something, but but um, it, was, yeah. it was strange. It happened again that night, and I really wish that I had had the courage to sort of sit with that feeling. But both times it happened, I pushed myself away, and I went back to the car. Well, now you know. Um, now you know to do it yeah, I mean, next time. You have to go back. I mean, yeah. I, I um, anybody who listens to Where Did the Road Go, I'm, I'm sort of reminded of uh, the Jeffersman crystal experiment that he keeps on talking about, um, but. Uh, the, I don't um, know what the hell you're talking uh, about. The, well, we can talk. We can talk about it later. That's a shout out. for my. That's a shout out for my fans, Tim. Shout out for my fans. I understand. There you go. You got to cross promote, um, baby. Um, but uh, went back to the car and uh, he asked me if you know I did that and I felt anything and I sort of explained to him what I did and he goes, "Oh yeah, that's how it starts. It's just beginning to start." I'm like, "That's a cryptic thing to say." What do you? But again, like I'm 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 sheepish in Jesus. person, so I shouldn't I'm not saying anything, but. Uh, but that's that's definitely the strangest thing. If anybody is anywhere near there in County Limerick, um, we spent we spent a day there. I could have probably spent two days there. Um, there was um, 
this was just the largest stone circle. He was he was talking about there being you know about three or four different stone circles within a kilometer of there. Um, so it's just it's just incredibly rich area that Loch Gur area. Um, the Loch Gur also has uh, the mountain known as Knockfinnel, and Knockfinnel is one of four sites in Ireland supposedly that has an entrance to Tirnanog, or a fairyland. Oh. Um, it's a hollow mountain. Didn't get to see that. Like I would have loved to have seen it, but man, we were just we were hustling the entire day. Um, uh, but um, yeah, and and, and uh, it was. And if you do that, like definitely definitely get the definitely get a uh, guided tour with Michael from the uh, visitor center because it was so incredible. And again, like do it, it was soon. Just, like, he's very, old. Yeah, he's he's old, but yeah, it's interesting because like he is from a family that's there. He knows like he's sort of a town historian. It's really fascinating and. Um, there was another. What else happened? There was a um, there was a cromlech, and you know, a, an outcropping of rock that he pointed us to. And he would say these things. Would be like, man, you're you're blending your folklore and your mythology together, your folklore rather, and your um your history together really well. So he said, you see that cromlech over there? And he said, yeah. And he was talking talking to us about the you know the oppression of Catholics and how you know at one point it was you know an extremely exorbitant price to bring in Catholic priests' heads and people had to worship in secret and they would pick this these cromlechs, these these um outcroppings of rock, um, to worship at. And he said this particular one has has a worship spot and there's actually a a, a cavern inside. And I said, it's interesting, a really, really good like fact based historical stuff. And he says he said, People he said, people people will ask me how I know this and I tell them because I saw it. He goes, I went in there and if you touch a certain spot in the stone, you'll see a stairway open up. And if you go down the stairway, there's the most beautiful chapel down there. And I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's beautiful. I'm like, well, why are we over wow. there, to, <laughs> over there, dude? Like, it's, you can't drop that knowledge bomb. And then, like, you know, on the, on the next side, he'll talk to us about, you know, uh, he talked to us about, you know, uh, soil strata that was collected from a certain area so that they were able to date it because, you know, there wasn't enough evidence from, you know, electrocarbon dating. Like, he, he was a great mix of, like, this really mysterious folklore thing, and also this like hard sciencey archaeology thing. It was just it was really, I could not. In some ways, it was the highlight of my trip. That whole area. Interesting, interesting. So wait, he says he rambling, goes down. And, he's gone down and touched. No, no, no. I know. I'm listening and enjoying. So he says he goes down and touches. He's touched the. Did you? My first inclination would be like, all right, dude, let's go. Let's go touch the rock. I want to see this chapel. That sounds amazing. I didn't fly all the way you out know, here to, you know. Yeah, oh, it was like, or he it was just like, give you some cheeky answer where he'd be like, "Only on a, only on, on a rainy Wednesday." Oh my God! <laughs> you know, ironically, it was a rainy Wednesday. So, <laughs> oh <laughs> Jesus! See, we're tapped into something tonight. Yeah, um, but uh, no. It was, to be fair, it was about um, it was about half a mile away um, across oh, a field, yeah, and like there's this guy who like. You can tell has hip problems, and I'm like, I'm not asking you to do that, you know. And I, I, I guess I should have, I guess I should have, you know, manned up and, and trespassed a little bit more. But, um, you know. Yeah. Well, you'd be in there slapping every different rock because who knows which one it is. That's how they get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. That's how they arrest you. They're like, we found him slapping rocks inside a cavern on some dude's farm. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so he's he. And sadly, in Ireland, that's like a that's like a federal offense. So you're doing <laughs> you're doing like ten. Ten years in Irish prison, rock slapping. <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> rock goblins. Um, yeah, um, exactly. They'd be like, "We're really sorry. It's an old law that's on the books. You have to go to jail now for like at least seven years." 
at least. You're just like, I was in just a, a cave. I was hitting rocks, dude. What, what are you talking you know, about? To be fair, I did more. I, did, I, I, I walked uninvited on more private land than I have probably ever in my life. Um, yeah, but you were a guest trip. in their country, and you had good intentions. I think that's okay. Well, that and the fact that the entire time I was like, you know what? At least they don't have automatic firearms in this country, so I'm probably like, I can survive a shotgun, right? Like, he's going to be far up away. I can see him coming before the shotgun affects me, right? Um, Is that what the guy said to you about gun control? Or he was like, he's like, have fun in no, our country. No. Don't worry about getting shot. Like, so, yeah, no, no. So after, like, not talking, we're, we're jumping all, all over the place, folks. I'm sorry about this, but... um. After, don't, after, it's been all um, America. They're they're here to listen to us. They don't care what I know. I'm just, we talk I'm just about. I feel like I'm jumping all over the place. But um, dude, after, that's probably uh, my yeah. fault, I think, because I have no. no I have, it's, it's you know the itinerary bearer than I do. I'm just like, what's an elf? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, after after basically ignoring my question about a fairy fort, the guy catches up with us. You know, that's that first day, the first fairy fort we saw, and he. It's not a. It's not. It's less of a conversation about, uh, you know, gun control in America. It's more. More. More of it was a lecture. It was like, you know, we have some problems in this country, but we can't. We, we have some problems in this country, but we can't figure out America's obsession with firearms. And I'm like, dude, spare me the NPR shit. Like, I just want to see the yeah. report. You know, I'm on vacation. I have nuanced views about this. Just stop. <laughs> you know? so. I think it's because we're the only. Here's a. <laughs> I'll answer that question. I think it's because we're the only, and I'm not even a gun maniac, uh, like country, or at least in recent like history or whatever. And I'm sure there'll be people that correct me about this. Um, that like that we owe our existence to guns in a sense. Like we we rose up and drove out the British by shooting them and getting them out of here. It was like, you know, that's that's how it is. So it's a weird like psycho psychological thing. I think that's I think that's I think that's that's one very good answer on um, a very complex issue, a very complex spectrum. Yeah, but I think I, I think that should not be ignored. I also think the fact that trying to pass legislation for somebody who lives in an urban center versus somebody who lives in Montana and has to actually deal with pumas. And actually deal with wolves like that. Those, those are you can't expect the same you know the same legislation to um, to cover those two different lifestyles, you know. Um, right. And I think that I think that you know that there is a legitimate role for some people to have more higher powered firearms in some parts of the country than others. Um, you know, which is why I think that the idea of you know I think that the idea of more you know state sovereignty is probably well, yeah, I'm I'm always against centralization. Uh, that's sort of my that's sort of my my shtick. Um, the less centralized things are, the better because it ensures you know the, the farther you are from the, personally for me. Not to get off on a, on an entire political tangent, but for me, like yeah, yikes. The, the far the farther you are from the source of a problem, the less likely you are to have a solution for it. And the closer you are, the more you can oh, actually deal deep. with that. The closer you are, the more you can actually deal with that problem. Um, Absolutely. So decentra- de- decentralization is sort of one of the gu- my guiding uh, force, my, my guiding uh, guiding political you know Lights. philosophies. But that's not something I'm going to well, talk to about. Talking, you know, I was just a, speaking a, to, to, to the obsession, like to the like why are people obsessed with guns here? It's just like because it's like been around since the birth of the of the country, you know. 
Like in England, yeah, they no, I assume England became a country like before guns were invented. But maybe, maybe I'm a complete idiot. I don't. <laughs> I don't no, know. I, I think, you know, I think but, you've got a really. Good, I think you've got a really good point there. I really do. Um, and I think that there's enough. There's enough examples. There are enough examples of, you know, uh, of countries where just prior to a fascist takeover, they have confiscated guns, and that sort of self reinforces and makes us, you know, makes us a little bit, pardon the pun, gun shy. Um, but you know, at the same time, like I don't think that I don't think that anybody in America needs an assault weapon. You know. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. No, I, it, it's, I it's a, like I said, it's a very it's a very weirdly complex. It, if anything, it, it I it should be decentralized in a sense where it's like. They should be different laws for the dude in Montana than the person who lives in Philadelphia or whatever. Like right, like yeah, right no, in the I, city. I, you know, I don't totally, care if that's yeah, not yeah, fair. Yeah. Like then they'd say, oh, it's not fair. But it's like a dude in an apartment in Philadelphia doesn't need like 300 guns, dude. <laughs> like it's just, exactly. you know, like yeah. only bad things can happen. So, like let's just let's just and a dude in Montana, fine. <laughs> like that's cool because he's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, no, I, I totally if you agree with you. Like, if you live in Philadelphia in an apartment and you want to own 300 guns, like move to Phil, move to fucking Montana, so no one, <laughs> so we don't have to worry about you. Yeah. <laughs> or someone stealing you know, all your shit. That's the other part. Someone's just taking it. Like, Jesus. Well, and, and you know, like I have I have friends who who have who have relatives who have died because of gun violence, and I have musician friends who have told me that if they weren't carrying a piece in New Orleans coming back from a gig at four in the morning, they wouldn't be here today. You know, God, because all they had to do was all that, all, <laughs> right. But all they had to do was flash it, and like you know the you know the people who were going to mug them turned tail and ran, ran because they just didn't want the trouble. So, like, I think there's a lot more nuance in conversation to be had, but that's not what we do, and that's also not what I'm going to do when I'm standing on a gravel road in Ireland trying to find my damn fairy fort. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, he's trying to have this conversation, especially like, especially with all this this, this Las Vegas thing. Like, I'm not. You should have just given him my number. You should have been like, here, call yeah, this right? guy. He'll be able to talk. He's doing nothing right <laughs> call now. <him>. Just nice. <laughs> it's an open lines, an all open lines episode of Been All of America. <laughs> at my, um, yeah, this is at my house at like four, four in the afternoon. Some Irish guy calls. Joshua Cushing gave me your number. I need to talk to you about your gun control. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, what do you, what's your problem, guy? I got nothing going on. Um, <laughs> You're like, like, well, at least you should only talk sexy like the last guy. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, So, all right, I'm trying to think uh, of like, because I don't know much in a sense about the Irish, the you know, the stuff you were going to see out there. So uh, what other things did – it sounds like such a, like, shitty question, but, like, what other things did you see, you know, of the esoteric bent that uh, people might be thrilled by? Yeah, so in, in the non-fairy fort sort of realm, and that, well, again, we could we could talk about probably about fairy rings and such forever, um, which is why I'm glad that I took videos and I'm going to post some, post some pictures as well. Um, but uh, – there are probably about two other sites that I think are worth mentioning that I visited that sort of are in sort of the 14-14 um, category. The first one was Nocturne, and this was the day that we were going coming from Belfast through County Antrim over to Sligo and then down to Galway. Which, in case you, in case anybody doesn't know, that's about six to seven hours in the car without sightseeing. Um, oh, and yet, geez. somehow, somehow on that day we were still able to cram in. Um, the Giant's Causeway, Bushnell's Distillery, 
Nochnery, and uh, what else did we do that day? Um, we also did Dunluce Castle. Like we did a couple things that day, and and had sit down lunch. So we were very um, we were busy bees that day. Yeah, we were busy bees that day. Um, but uh, um, so one of the things that we did is is on our way down to Galway, we stopped in in Flago, um, which is on the north western coast. And there was one location that I wanted to see, and I've talked. I talked to a couple of people who were sort of of a folklore extent. They're like, "Oh, you went, you went here. That's it's really impressive that you went up there." Um, uh, it's a uh, mountain, basically. <laughs> I didn't realize that when I wanted to go there at the time, but it's a mountain with a giant stone cairn at the top, um, uh, which is supposedly the uh, the the uh, resting place of the Queen of the Fairies, Queen Mab or Queen Maeve. Um, Obviously, it doesn't quite. <laughs> that's not the way actual fairy lore works, but that's just sort of the local, you know, sort of the local uh, local legend. It's probably really yeah. just a Neolithic burial site, but um, definitely definitely a ritualistic space because the view from the top of this place is incredible. But uh, we got there just before just before uh, dark, and uh, I didn't realize. I thought we were just going to walk to a field and find a stone cairn out there, but no, we had to walk up a, a legitimate mountain and. I took some took some videos of it because like the surrounding view was maybe one of the most incredible sights I've seen in my life. Um, you know, I've 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 I haven't done a lot of travel outside the country, but I've seen just about every uh, every national park in this country, and this was one of the most astounding jaw dropping views I've I've seen. Um, but to get there, to get there, you have to you know you have to hike through a field full of cow shit, and then you have to climb up the you have to climb up the uh, the mountain after that. Um, so uh, we did this, and I, I went up there. Um, uh, so if you take again, if you take a rock from the top of you know from, from Queen Mab's grave, it's bad luck. Um, but oh, good. You, okay, I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna tell me like it was supposed to be good luck, and I'm gonna be like, no, catch. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I got that backwards, guys. <laughs> no yeah, wonder yeah, I had this rash. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no wonder I'm breaking out in highs. Oh my god. Um, but uh, if, if you take a rock and put it on Queen Mav's grave, um, that's considered good luck. Oh. Um, so nice. I definitely did, did that. You do that? Uh, I did that. I didn't leave any. I don't think I left any bread that day. Um, because oh, I knew I was bringing up the rocks. But I went up there and uh, filmed a little video like right there at like right right at sun right at sunset. I mean it was perfect. Um and like again, you had to put in some effort to get to the top of this thing, so we Sounds saw like two it, people yeah. we saw two people on the trail. Um that might have been a function of, of, of the time of day, but at the same time, like, both of them were locals. There was nobody here, you know, it was like, you know, you know. Hi, we're yeah, from they were Orlando, just like two you know? middle-aged people <laughs> having, yeah, have, having exercise. Yeah. They're like, we walk up um, and down the mountain every day, buddy. It's not hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, <laughs> that, was, that was quite incredible just to see that, not only this incredible sight, an incredible view, but also the megalithic history. We went to the Nakma Woods, which were um, in a lot of fairy lore, supposedly like ground zero for the fairy Ooh. kingdom. Um, it's I like creepy forests. There was there were there were a couple of um, there were a couple of structures in there, but nothing had that real fairy spring fort uh, feel. There are two cairns which I looked for that I could not find, nor could I find anybody to help me find them. But um, two. Having said that, 
two, two cairns, so two stone two stone mounds that were oh. supposedly yeah at the top of the hill. I was not able to find them. Here. I don't understand. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's it's there's 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 multiple terms for everything and every you know multiple terms for everything and all the terms are nothing you've ever heard of before. So exactly, um, yeah, but, yeah. So uh, like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean a cairn, I mean a cockatoos. Yeah, but there there are two cairns that we weren't able to find. We did find a small um, stone structure, um, but at the same time, you're like you're walking around the, the woods of the fairies, so you know it's pretty cool just to be there. Um, we did find uh, some burial mounds in an adjacent park that was not open, where I again did something some light trespassing. Um, <laughs> I don't think it counts. As, I don't. I guess I don't think it counts too much as trespassing. Yeah, I, 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 I guess they won't okay. extradite me. I guess they won't extradite me for tra- for trespassing on you know. Well, if you keep tra- going on the radio up. and bragging about it, they will. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just. I'm. I, I honestly like. I. Yeah. yeah. Um. It was. You're, yeah. you're all anyway, right admitting um, you're the bread. You're the bread bandit or whatever. The, Whatever they've taken to calling you now. That's, no, that's, really tomorrow's, that's tomorrow's headline. They're like, we've got a major break in the bread bandit case. He's in America. His name is Joshua Cutchin. He was on a radio show last night bragging about being the bread bandit. <laughs> and now we're demanding that President Trump send him back to Ireland to be tried for slapping stones. You know, if it meant going back to Ireland, I might do that. <laughs> I might do that. Um, I would watch a TV show uh, with, with just with that premise. <laughs> that, that you were sent back great. to go on trial for a ridiculous uh, <laughs> tr- series of trespassing capers. Um, oh man! So this forest—it's scary. What about ghosts? Did you? No, not scary. Was, was that not, like a big not, thing out there? Not a scary. Forest, I know it is, but, but I mean, it's just a beautiful forest. Um, not a scary forest, just a beautiful forest. Um, but yeah, I mean, ghosts, I mean, here's the thing. It's, it's such an old, um, it's such an old country that like you're, you're up to your eyeballs in ghosts. So that's um, what I mean. Yeah. yeah um, but having well, said the thing that, is, it's I funny cause have... I bet you someone else do the same exact trip you just did, but also, but like go to all these different haunted bed and breakfasts. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they'd be like, I don't know anything about stone structures. I'm here for, I'm here to stay in the inn here. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I'm pretty sure, like, I mean, you, you could do, like, a ghost tour in Dublin. We didn't. The the one ghost thing that we did, which was is is something that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life, and if anybody is anywhere um, near this place, they really, really should go. Um, but in... Um, the Brimstone Deceit, uh, I wrote about a spot called Lip Castle, L-E-A-P, Lip Castle. Um, and it was a, uh, it was, it's known as one of the more haunted castles in Ireland. There was a, there was a, um, a series of seances in the 19th century where, uh, a Miss Darby, um, accidentally conjured up something that is known as the elemental, which is like this short little shaggy creature that smells like a corpse that like is covered in like gray wool and has like a skeleton face. Um, and that's Sounds after. Like 
that's, that's after the um, the history of the castle, you know, uh, that just has nothing to do with that. I mean, so this place right, was right. built uh, probably in the 13th century. And I it hope you went known there. For, oh, wait, oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, okay, okay. I was afraid you're going to be like, I, but I didn't have time to go. And I'm like, what? Oh, no, oh, yeah. we definitely were there. Built in the 13th century, it's, it's known for having an, an oubliette, a haunted oubliette. Do you know what an oubliette is, Tim? I do not know what an oubliette is. Well, when a man and a woman love each other very much, um, Jesus. They, they sometimes, that they, sometimes they sometimes build a dungeon that is only accessible through a hole in the roof. Um, and that's what whole, wait a minute a dungeon a dungeon on the roof no it's the dungeon it's a dungeon imagine it's sorry I should have said ceiling it's a dungeon that is only accessible through a hole in the ceiling so is it above the uh, bedroom or is it below well it depends on where you are um, in Ireland so originally the term is French meaning it's derived from a word that means to forget um, but Ooh, in Ireland, like sex, there's... Now, let me... I'm going to get salacious, but is it like a sex dungeon? Or is it just a place where people would have sex, like, because it was so weirdly, you know, where it's just, like, so weird, where, where like, they couldn't show a, a married couple sleeping in the same bed on, on TV, like, in the 60s kind of thing, where it's like, well, if we're going to make love, we have to go into the sex dungeon, cause, or the oubliette, because then God can't maybe, see us there, some shit like that. Anywhere is a sex dungeon if you and your partner believe in yourself enough, Tim. Um, That's but, I, did, uh, I know you were, you sorry, were sitting was, on that joke for a while. I, could I, was, <laughs> I was I was joking. There is nothing. There's nothing sexy about Nubliet. Um, oh, good damn it! It's it's it, 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 it's pure. It's purely a dungeon, and in this case, it was actually lined with like sharp shards of metal. Um, so this place has an Nubliet, which is which is creepy to begin with. In this case, um, I was mentioning in, in France, they tend to, I think they tend to do the more below ground, but uh, all the oubliettes that I saw on this trip were above ground um, because mm-hmm. of the rocky soil in Ireland. Uh, but there's not only an oubliette, but there's also a space um, adjacent to the oubliette called the Bloody Chapel, right? Because yeah. of uh, some other sightings that have happened there. So... The castle has a very, uh, very dark history. And I, I looked it up, and we found directions to go to it. And there's, there's no, there's no signage. Like every, everywhere you go in Ireland, there are, whenever you have a castle, there's signage for it. It's the tourist destination. Right. Um, and there's, no, there's no signage for it. But eventually, like I, I see a castle in the distance, about you know, probably about, you know, a, a kilometer away. And, uh. So I'm like, well, here's the, here's the castle. It looks like about right. There's a little sign out front that says Lip Castle and doesn't say anything about – there's no tourist parking. There's just a wall and a little sign that says Lip Castle. So we park across from the uh, from the uh, castle. Uh, by the way, driving in Ireland, I would I would drive in Ireland any day over driving in Atlanta. Like everybody's – Well, how was so the – well – yeah, there's a yeah we we haven't even gotten into like the the everyday aspect of being in another country, but we'll get to that in a moment. So, okay, sorry, because uh, I'm interested by you drove on the wrong side of the or the opposite side, right? I assume. Yeah, and and it's not that like I mean the roads are narrower, so like when no matter who is sitting in the uh, no matter who's driving or who's sitting in the passenger seat, uh, 
it's it's a harrowing experience because like you always feel like you're like three inches from this giant stone wall on your left. But um, but everybody is seems for the most part seems to be very patient in terms of like stopping and letting people go by and like there was there wasn't this sort of thing in America where you're like if I break traffic rules I'm gonna get a two hundred dollar fine. Like there's none of that. We saw two cops the entire time and like the the traffic laws are very much situational situationally based. So like if you know if you need to drive right, right. on the wrong side of the road to get around somebody, you know, they'll do that. That's fine. Nobody cares. Um so anyway, so we parked Again, and, 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 you know, we were sort of on the road, but we're like, you know, it's, it's Ireland. People are going to, you know, find a way around our car. It's no big deal. And we walked down this path, uh, past the, the outside wall of the castle, and it says, um, it says there's a gatehouse. And, and on, on, the, on, the, um, on the door of the gatehouse, it says, for castle inquiries, go ring doorbell. <laughs> so, so we continued down, you know, I don't know, probably another hundred feet down this driveway. And outside is this guy who looks like, you know, a really nice guy. So uh, if, if for some reason he's listening, don't take this the wrong way, but he looks kind of like Santa Claus with hepatitis, you know? Um, oh, he's Jesus. Sort of, he's got a big bushy beard and he looks a little looks a little sickly. And he's feeding, um, he's feeding his cat. Oddly outside. specific, but yeah. He's feeding cats. He's feeding, feeding cats outside, and I said, "You know, is, is the castle open to the public?" And he goes, "Yeah, come in." And the guy owns the guy owns the castle. He bought it back in the '90s, and he owns this place. And oh, yeah, you can he'll, buy he'll let people just come in. Um, the floors were bombed out, and it's a war. Uh, but but he's he he's lets people come in and and and. Take a look at his home, basically. Um, so we sit down. We sit down by the fire with him. We're, so I'm sitting in a castle. My wife, the castle owner, and myself, um, we're sitting in front of a fireplace and just talking with this guy. Uh, we talk for a little while. He picks up his uh, he picks up his penny whistle and starts playing a tune on his penny whistle for us. And it's it's okay. all very casual and all very surreal, like because it's just it's such an intimate thing and it seems like it's so like there's not there's not you're not going to see a tourist bus outside of this place because I mean like I'm sure the guy isn't insured for any of the things you know there are some spots on the way up the tower which I'll get to in a moment where I'm sure that if I had put my mind to it I could have hurt myself very badly and I'm sure the guy's not insured for it at all but it's it's very much like you know just opening up his house because he's aware of the history um so we're in this wonderful intimate moment. I made reference to the fact that I was aware of some of the history of the house, and he he was pretty cagey about it. My my sort of you know my fourteen mantra is I will let you know that I'm interested in these things and I will mention them, but I'm not going to like badger you about it, you know. Um, yeah. So he didn't he didn't seem very forthcoming about some stuff that had happened, but you know when I also said you know like, I'm familiar with you know Miss Darby and the Oubliette and whatnot, he didn't really say anything about that. But he said yeah, he said he said, he said when I bought the place it was a really interesting day when they uh, when they cleaned out the Oubliette. He said it it took them three truckloads to get all the bones out. Jesus uh, Christ, really? And when the, did he buy the place? And the guy sleeps there. <laughs> like, Gee, the when thing. did he buy? Like he got the. So essentially, the bones at least were there, like I don't know, since the '60s, till the till the '60s or whatever. Yeah, like so they never it cleaned out the, the bones. It was a ruin. Nobody wanted to do anything about it, and uh, he bought it probably for a song. And he spent yeah. the last 
but 1990, so it's been like the last, you know, 25, 30, 30 years old. How old are we? Yeah, 30 years. God, can you believe that? We're old. It's been the last, it's been the last 30 <laughs> years, right? It's been the last 30 years researching it. Says he, says he had a, has a wife. His daughter just left, I presume, for college. Um, <laughs> I like how you I like how you phrase that. Says he has a wife. Says he has yeah, a wife. Yeah. She could have been chained in the oubliette. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, yeah. So it's not like you know, he, he lives there, but he, and I'm I'm sure that like we read online later that people call him up and our neighbors will call him and be like, yeah, the the monk the monk is is on your roof again. Or like you know, we're seeing we're seeing lights coming from the bloody chapel. I just wanted you to know that, you know. How weird. Um, yeah, and and so and so for you get you give him six euro and you can basically look in his bedroom and go on up the tower, and uh, and take a look in the bloody chapel, take a look down at the oubliette, which supposedly has a spirit that haunts it. No, it didn't see anything. Of course, again, this was like you know, this was like uh, eleven a.m. or something. So right, um, right. No, exactly. Here's something crazy. I don't know if I would do this, but maybe I would if I was over there. But could you like be like, here's a hundred euros, dude. I want to sleep in the oubliette tonight. You think he'd be down for that? Um, I I can't imagine that. Like, I mean, I don't know, man. I I I can't imagine that he wouldn't be down for that. I mean, it, it's so like there are only a couple money, of rooms. Right? Well, there are only a couple of rooms in the place that are finished. Look, whether or not Anton is indeed a midget or a dwarf... No, he's a midget. What's the difference? Well, a dwarf is someone who has disproportionately short arms and legs. Oh, I know the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's caused by a hormone deficiency. Yeah, bloody hormones. Yeah. Mm. A midget is still a dwarf, but their arms and legs are in proportion. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. So, what's an elf? Do you want to answer that? An elf is a supernatural being. Sometimes they're invisible, they're like fairies. They don't actually exist, do they? In real life. Um, yeah, you just bring like yeah. a sleeping bag just to do one of those sort of like... I would like to do a scenario like that where you just don't... You're not like walking around being like, hello, hello. You're just kind of like, all right, dude, let's just, we'll just crash. We're, we're going to sleep in the, in the Oubliette and where a bunch of people were tortured and shit and maybe something cool will happen. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, and and well, I mean, the uh, it's not like there's any. I mean, the, the castle really isn't all that finished. I mean, in, in fact, the uh, the bloody chapel is completely open to the elements. Um, and as I said, the, the oubliette is just off the bloody chapel. Um, so I can't imagine that like he would have much aversion if you're going to throw him like you know seventy five euro that you're going to sleep up there for the night. Um, you know, if anything, I'm sure he'd be worried about, you know, uh, insurance more than he'd be worried about, you know, something happening to you. I feel um, like that's again, probably more I, of an American thing. <laughs> like, an American I hope so. get sued. So they'd be like, no, dude, you're you're not sleeping in my garage, stranger from Ireland, because um, I could, you could, you know, you could drink my... <laughs> Gasoline or something. I don't know. You could, you could stumble over my, my snowblower and, and sue me. So I don't get out of my house, weird stranger. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Well, I, I would, I would, I would, I would. Uh, that's an experience that I would love to do is to spend some time there to talk to him more. Um, but again, I'm not going to be pushy about it. And it's not like this. I mean, like this, this. I was in the right place. Like I know, I know that. 
Um, and I'm not going to, like, you know, pester him about it because some people just don't want to talk about these things. Um, no, but I'd like uh, to see the look on your wife's face when you're like, hey, can we sleep in the oubliette tonight? She'd be like, all right, I've got this. Is the, this is a bridge too far, Josh. Hey, it's man. My, far, I, 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 said I, do this. I, I said I do this because, like, she's an absolute saint for putting up with me. But, um, you know, I, I married I married my wife, and at one point she was one of these people who didn't want to watch horror films because it put bad thoughts in your in your mind. Um she uh she is the She's watching the news. Well, you know, I mean, no, she's uh she's, you know, the the daughter of a Baptist preacher and she has come out of her shell a lot and she's been an absolute saint for putting up with all my occult interests and has really um come to understand these these subjects as as I do. Um and has really opened up like the idea that I would ever have even gotten her into this into this castle in the first place, you know, five years ago, six years ago. Probably would have been a non Are you gonna repay the favor and now take like a two week trip to Dollywood or something? <laughs> no, I'm just gonna watch some chick flicks hopefully and we'll get off the hook there. Um Yeah, um, yeah that would be no I'm imagining like like Josh's wife's like a big like Shania Twain super fan or something. She's like, We're we're going to Toronto and we're gonna do the Shania Twain super fan tour and we're gonna go to the town she grew up in for two days and you're just like, All right, fine. But no, that that's the great thing, is that, like I I kept on finding her like she was ended up interested in the things that I was interested in too. So which was you know, it was a, again, it was a real blessing. Yeah, thankfully she's not one of these types who's like, you know, I want to, I want to go see, you know, Tony Orlando is coming to Nashville. You go see him, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, we're gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. So, oh, so we talked a little bit about the driving and everything. How was uh, food and drink? One of my favorite topics. How was the, how was the meal experience in Ireland? Because you know, England gets a bad rap because of. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's just stereotyped as like bad food, but I found the food in England to be excellent. So, um, what did you think of uh, the meals and the, and the drink in Ireland? Well, um, a couple things surprised me. So I, I I stuck mostly to pubs because I'm a pub hound and I just I love that sort of you know the pageantry of it. I want to move into every pub I see really. Um, but uh, I was. It was nice for me because as I, I've over the years I have um, I have built up and I have uh, glorified the concept of the you know the Irish pub in my mind and it's nice to know that you know shitty bars in other countries are like shitty bars in America and there are some places <laughs> yeah. just just because it's just because it's an Irish pub does not mean that's a great spot to go. Um, I am astounded. I am astounded by the fact that uh, that outside of Guinness products, and I love me, I love me a good harp, but outside of Guinness products, there is like generally like Carlsberg, Heineken, Coors, and Budweiser. Um, <laughs> not not a not a strong craft beer industry in Ireland. I, we found some. But you have to look for it. Like you're not going to go into a bar and find like a local brew. Like it just doesn't doesn't work that way. Oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, I was also astounded, and, and again, we had some really good food. Um, so we had some exceptional food. Uh, there's a wonderful place in Dublin that we went, but uh, uh, we had some really exceptional food. And I was wanting to try out each one of the you know the, the, the pub favorites. You know, the 
corn, uh, you know, corned beef and cabbage, uh, you know, bacon and cabbage, uh, fish and chips, which I had like five times. Um, uh, and I wanted to, have, I wanted to try shepherd's pie, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I only found shepherd's pie on one menu the last night at. Uh, oh wow. At a really well, at a really well, I mean, it was, it was incredible. Like it was part of a land sampler at this uh, wonderful uh, place in Dublin, gorgeous, gorgeous pub called the uh, the uh, Bank on College Green. Uh, and it was it was, oh, so it was a lamb pie. shepherd's pie. Yeah, uh, well, that's what it's supposed to be. Wow. Um, but uh, I was I was astonished. Like I was I was astonished by the fact that uh, there wasn't more. Maybe maybe somebody from Ireland who's listening can can tell us why. Maybe it's, maybe it's an American thing, you know. Maybe it's like uh, I don't know. Like I'm sure Miguel could tell me some sort of crazy thing that we eat in America that we think is Mexican that isn't. But um, but maybe it's something like that, you know. Maybe it's just you don't you don't you don't see it much in Ireland. But God, that was the only shepherd's pie I saw the entire time. I was astounded. Well, what I noticed when I was in England uh, was that it seemed like. Um, I mean, I go to a lot of sort of mom-and-pop type places, but not that many. But still, it it seemed even more like a to a degree greater than that uh, over there, where it was like you genuinely got the impression when you were eating the food at the pubs and stuff that it was like cooked by – it was like homemade. Everything everything kind of had like a homemade feel, uh, you know, where it was like you could just kind of tell like the portions were eyeballed and that kind of thing, where it's like, the, oh. you know, there's not just some kid in the back doing like, all right, I have to give him two scoops of the corn. It was just like, you just got the plate like your mom made it for you, where it was like, yeah. they just slopped the shit on there and it was delicious, but it yeah, was just, there was no, there was no like presentation to it at all or like no oversight. It was just kind of like, here's the meal. And it was great. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's not like, you know, they're, they're, Pulling out a plastic bag with Cisco on the side, there. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, right. I was, I was, there was one. I mean, like, I mean, like, two, so two things. Like, there was one pub. Well, there was one pub that we went to that was like, you know, the beginning scene of American Werewolf in London, where they're sitting in the pub and it's like there's just locals in there and like no one wants to talk. <laughs> like it was, it was kind of like that. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was great food. But I, I will say this for for Ireland in general. Every single meal we had came out piping hot. Like you had you had to sit there and yeah. stare at it for, and wait for it to cool down. Whereas in America, you know, it's like, oh, this was sitting under a heat lamp for you know five minutes, ten minutes. Um, but every every single every single meal we had was just like absolutely hot. It was it was incredible. Very nice. What else about Ireland? Because uh, we're gonna go over the. Uh, the two-hour mark, I'm sure. Hopefully, that's okay with you. Oh yeah, it's fine. Um, All right. Um, I mean, you know, because like I said, I mean, it's your. In a sense, it's like your vacation. So this, I'm not gonna. I, I don't know anything about the story about the guy you ran into in the lobby of the hotel on the fourth day. So, <laughs> so if 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 there's something like amazingly weird or cool that happened to you that stood out, let me know. Because uh, I, I I I'm like part of me sort of like a blind man in an orgy here. Well, you know, I mean, like, part of me is, I mean, part of me is a little bit uh, apprehensive because I don't want to be that person who's like, <laughs> I feel like I've already been that person who's like, look at my photos to Ireland. It's so beautiful. Look at it. Oh, it's been such a wonderful trip. I feel like I'm just going on a podcast talking about my trip. 
Um, no, no, no. But, well, when uh, I got back from Canada, I wanted to do the same thing, and I forced Jeremy Vanny to listen <laughs> to listen to me for hours. So uh, uh, I totally empathize. I'm interested because I would like to go and check it out. Did you kiss the Blarney Stone? There was some controversy on your Facebook page over that. Did you? Uh, was that too touristy for you? It was, it was a little bit too touristy for me, and like you're supposed to get the gift of gab out of it, and like I talk too much anyway, so it's, it's yeah. Um, yeah, I can only imagine how this show would have turned yeah. out. I, I would have just put you on and walked away and done my laundry. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, so I mean, yeah, like we did a bunch of other stuff. Like we we toured the Bushnell Distillery, and we did some other, you know, we did some other touristy stuff. We went to a couple other castles as well. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna try to hit the 14 highlights. Um, and I guess another 14 highlight would be um, the Belvedere House, which is uh, kind of an interesting spot just outside of Dublin. Um, there's a um, nobleman who uh, it's, it's notable for two. Well, for me, for three, but for two reasons. Um, Mr. Belvedere, I believe, was uh, his Belvedere. name. Belvedere. Oh, Belvedere. Um, I just think of the TV show, Mr. Belvedere. Oh, is that? I don't know that. What is that? What? Is that an old? Is you don't know Mr. Belvedere? No, I don't know Mr. Belvedere. Wait a minute. You do or you don't know Mr. Belvedere? Um, I don't. No, I don't. Jesus. It was. Now I feel old. It was like a nineteen, a late nineteen eighties sitcom about a butler who lived with like a, who lived, who lived with like a suburban family in Wisconsin. Oh wait, uh, yeah, so is that Obelbadia, dear boy? Is that from that or no? No, I think I think I think Mr. Bel, uh, I think Belvedere. The name has been around for a long time, but Mr. Belvedere was he lived with Bob Euchre of all people. That was, it was a sitcom. Bob Euchre was the star of the sitcom, and Mr. Belvedere was like this English guy. It's a comp. I. It's a complicated story. Then they did a, <laughs> then they the the reason why I love it so much is then they did a Saturday Night Live skit about Mr. Belvedere super fans and it was like with Tom Hanks and it was probably one of the best skits they ever did on the show and that I'm I'm serious. They always show it on the best ofs. Uh where it was like they they were just stalking Mr. Belvedere and Tom Hanks wandered into the meeting and was like, You people are crazy where it was like I should want to meet him but I should not want to clip a lock of his hair. It was like a support group for Mr. Belvedere fans. It was so absurd and fucking hilarious that I still I still quote it to this day. Nice. But so okay, we'll get back to Belvedere in Ireland. So you were at a thing. Uh, you were at a place called Belvedere, and it was important to you for three reasons. So what were they? Yeah. Well, there are two reasons that people actually give a damn about, and for you know for uh, for. Me, well, yeah, for me there are three reasons. So uh, the first reason is that this nobleman basically heard that his wife was cheating on him and held her under house arrest for 30 years in this house. Now, granted, if you have to be trapped somewhere for 30 years, it's a pretty beautiful house to be trapped in. But, um, but uh, you know, it's, it's still an interesting story. The other thing is it's known for uh, the Jealous Wall, which is um, is uh, the 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 – Owner's brother um, bought a home on the shores of the loch, uh, and uh, in response, because he didn't like his brother, the owner of the original house um, built what is known as a folly. And a folly is a structure deliberately made to look like a ruin. 
literally made to look old. And uh, it, <laughs> he built this right up against the side of his house. It's this giant, it's a, it looks like uh, the wall of a giant abbey or a giant monastery or a giant cathedral. Um, and it's known as the Jealous Wall because it literally like blocked the site of the brother's house from the side of his Weird. house. So it's, it's, a, it's a famous, uh, a famous tourist attraction to see. Um, but the thing that you know I found really interesting was that uh, I was looking at the owners of the house, and one of the owners at one point um, had the last name of Howard Berry, B-U-R-Y, and I don't know if you uh, oh. are familiar. Does that name does that name ring a bell at all? No, I just thought it was sort of like I could tell, or I thought that it was going to go in a creepy direction because his name is Barry. So it's like he and he was also a serial killer, and he buried the people alive uh, or something. No, no. Charles Howard Barry is um, one is uh, largely credited with bringing the uh, legend of the abominable snowman to America or to the Western world. Um, oh wow. Yeah, he was. He had he had a, a, a expedition to Everest, and uh, he brought back. I mean, I'm sure that there were earlier um, earlier musings of, uh, before that, or earlier uh, reports before that. And uh, anybody who's sitting there, you know, listening to me, <laughs> it's been a long day, guys. So give me some credit. But uh, he was he's, he's definitely he's largely regarded as one of the first people to mention the uh, the Metchkenni, the, the filthier abominable abominable cinema. Um, um, let's see. Is there anything else that I can that's talk about? Yeah, I'm trying to see if there's any, anything else that's remotely 14 that I can talk about. Um, uh, I think, yeah. I'm um, sure you'll have. It's kind of one of those things where stories come to you later on. You're like. Holy shit! I forgot all about that. I've had those happen to me where it's like, well, you know, I, oh my god! I, 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 I yeah. I mean, I, I I journaled the whole thing, um, but uh, I, yeah. you know, I don't yeah. I don't want to talk you know I don't want to talk about uh, you know silly stuff that you know is is just uh, isn't isn't fourteen because I'd rather talk about like you know odd or or uh, you know spooky things. Um, we did see the dark hedges. Um, which is um, I don't know if you do you watch Game of Thrones. Do you watch Game of Thrones? No, I do not watch Game of Thrones. Um, there was a spot in uh, one of the on the it was a really I think it was like season one or season two um, where they're traveling on the King's Road and uh, and there's a beautiful road that is uh, covered in um, <laughs> that's covered in. Trees, like it's basically a tunnel of trees on this road, and uh, we yeah. went there. I, I, I love I love Game of Thrones as much as anybody else. I just want to see it because it's a beautiful formation of trees. I mean, some of these trees I think were upwards of 350 years old, um, that are just creeping over this uh, over this over this roadway. Um, yeah. So you know, that's a video of that too. So there will be plenty of videos <sighs> in my track. Sounds like there's a lot of uh, a lot to consume. Did you? This sounds like a total like stoner question, but uh, I, this this happened to me when I was in England. Uh, I lived in England for like five months, and um, it only ha- it only kind of like I, I didn't like hang on it. I don't even remember when I noticed it, but for some reason it kind of stuck with me. But there was like this one moment like where 
I think as soon as I got there, I kind of lost track of a lot of shit where it was just like I didn't really, you know, you get to the other country and you're just trying to get situated and all that stuff. Um, but finally, like at one point I saw like a map and it was just, it kind of like, it kind of like gave me a freak out moment in a sense where it's like, I'm, I'm here. I'm on, I'm in, I was in England. I mean, you'd be in Ireland. And it's like, my home is like all the way across this giant ocean. Like, and it kind of freaked me out for a minute where I was just like, I am so like, I am so far, far from home. It sounds like like a rush song or something, but it was, uh, it was, it was a really, it was a profound, weird moment. I'm sure I was drunk, but uh, it's, it's one of the few times when I was drunk and had a profound moment that had stuck with me all these years, uh, where it was just like that is, I'm kind of creeped out right now that I, like that I'm that far away, uh, you know, from everyone you love. It's like it's, it's like it's like you're on the moon. Like, you come to a realization that, like, you're on the moon. Did it ever hit you in a sense? Like, at one point you mentioned, like, I didn't travel, like, 3,000 miles or whatever to to get out here or whatever. But, it's like, did it ever uh, sort of cross your mind that you had made that journey so far away? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's I mean, <laughs> the farthest I've been away from home. Um, didn't have, I mean, we didn't have any, we didn't bring for any sort of cell phone service at all. So it was nice to be sort of, you know, cut off in a way, but... Yeah, I mean, at some at some point, you, I mean, partially, it felt like a like a dream. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, because you know, it's it's, it's everything is so surreal. You're still trying to get used to the time difference, and uh, I mean, I'm seeing places. In this case, I'm seeing places that I never thought I'd see, and I'm seeing like names, place names that I've written about in books and about you know blog posts and such, or that I've read about, you know. Um, and uh, it's just it's. It's really, really strange to me. I mean, you know, it, uh, it was, it was, it was very surreal, and you know, I'm sort of reminded of. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that George Carlin bit. This, this, this crossed into my head a couple times, but that George Carlin bit about stuff, about like you know, about yeah. you, you, uh, you, you go on a vacation, you take a small version, a smaller version of your stuff, and then you go on a day trip, you take an even smaller version of your stuff, and while you're at the day trip, you spend your night, you know, at somebody else's place, and you take just the essential shit that you need, you know, and his, his line is, um, you know, uh, supply supply chains are getting harder and harder to maintain. Um, and that's sort of the way that I felt sometimes, you know. My my stuff's scattered all over the world, and uh, and but but here I am, and I'm, I mean, I had, I had this joke with my wife that she and I have been through a lot because, being a cynic at heart, I was half convinced that I would never get to make this trip, and um, I would always joke that you know Europe doesn't exist um, <laughs> because you, get, you know after a while you get really solipsistic about it. You know it's like well, I only, I only, can only you know like, only things that exist are things that I can see and touch, and you know, uh, which I mean obviously isn't true, and I obviously didn't believe that, but uh, it was just sort of my my better way to uh, better way to better way to joke about it. Um, but just to, again, to, to experience these things. and, and Are we boring you? Those, no, no, <laughs> sorry, sorry, no. That was, that was, I'm getting my no, second wind. Um, I was just channeling my aunt. Go ahead. I mean, the countryside is so different than pretty much anything you're going to see in America. I used to talk to, like, I, I spent, you know, four years in Wisconsin, and it's near and dear to my heart, and I feel like everything in Ireland is, is, is Wisconsin dialed up to 11. 
But at the same time, it's not up to 11. Like, you haven't seen anything like some of these spots, like the Cliffs of Mower. You've never seen that. You know, you've never, you've never seen yeah. anything like the, the Giants Causeway. And just to see that stuff that you've seen in the past, is stuff that is so foreign and alien to you, and to be immersed in a culture that even though you share a language, you know, for the most part, is foreign and alien to you, um, it's, it's, it's striking. It's a culture shock, and it's, I'm incredibly grateful for it. I mean, I know there's some people probably who have been, you know, all through Europe and, and Asia and thinking that sort of sound like a hayseed, um, but uh, <laughs> I... I have I Fuck those people. I don't... <laughs> I want I want to do that too. So hey, well, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like I can't, I honestly can't. I'm gonna say this, like I, I can't think of more people that could have been more grateful than I have been for this because it was just it was. I I I I, I told Greg last night um, that I am astounded by the fact that I've only I only cried three times over there, three or four times, you know. Um, yeah, you are a crier. That's what I like about you, buddy. You're, you're a crier. <laughs> Hey, I've, I've turned into a crier in my old age now, as I got older. Yeah, a sappy yeah, commercial I, I, can get me. It's that, it's that yeah. bad. I'll, I'll see, a, I'll see a sappy commercial, you know, like with the ones where like the puppies are dying, and I'll be like, I gotta leave the room and have a cigarette. It's like it's like that bad. I, at times, I'm like, I wonder if I have a brain tumor or something. I'm, I'm getting very emotional about about car commercials. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I I was the one who, who helped those uh, who helped open those floodgates in Paramania, Remember? Exactly. Uh, yeah, you were like a you were like a an emotional shaman. I know, an emotional shaman. Yeah, um, something like that. Uh, now let me ask you a question because I saw this on Twitter and I want to reward the uh, live listeners so they can hear this answer in discussion. Um, I saw you post this today. And this is kind of a good segue, I guess, into uh, into whatever we do after the show. Um, and that's that you said on Twitter today that you think you think that your fairy research has sort of like I don't want to put words in your mouth, and I can't I don't have the tweet in front of me, but essentially you were saying you put worse things in the, my mouth too. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Save that for the after show. Uh, but you were saying that, like, uh, you think that your fairy research, or based on what you've, you know, uncovered in the fairy research, um, that you think you can explain or you can uh, have a hypothesis for these missing 411 cases. And I guess my my idea maybe is that, like, some kind of, you're, you're suggesting some kind of, like, fairy influence, clearly, based, you kind of uh, imply that. Um, and, you know, and, 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 uh, and, 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 all, with, with giving you respect, giving you props, you were like, yeah, but most, you know, some people won't agree with me, you know, people will argue with me, I don't really care, but this is, I've kind of come to some kind of, like, idea, so, uh, which I like, because you're not, like, out there going, I figured it out! It's like you're saying, I kind of think I might have an idea of what might be going on here, so, it's a very long question, but, like, what, you teased it, so what do you, what do you, because everybody loves this missing 411 stuff, what do you think, uh, how do you think this is connected to the fairy phenomena? Well, you know, I, I'm not going to... I think I said, uh, you mentioned this, but like, I'm going to reiterate it again. I wouldn't expect everybody to agree with me, and I don't think I'd even debate anybody about it, because it's just sort of where I've I've come to 
um, in my research, and hopefully I'll sort of outline part of this, because the next book is on paranormal child abduction, and I don't think you can talk about, you know, that subject without bringing up some Jesus. missing cases. Yeah, it's, it's, dude, it's dark. Like, I talk about, there's one part in the book where I talk about, um, God, this is so awful, a guy who was arrested in the Chinatown section of Thailand a couple years ago who was roasting male fetuses and gold-leafing them for ritualistic purposes. Dude, you're horrifying. Oh, my yeah, God. Dude, I just want to say dude, this, since since we have uh, with witnesses, though, because now you're talking about your book after the fairy book. If you write that book about uh, animals and the paranormal without me, I have the legal right to shoot you in at least the foot. <laughs> I no, I would, no, I would never do that. I would never do that. Um, but, you know, this this book, which I just finished, I should have, I finished the drafts, the draft, no, I finished the my edits today. I should, I should. There's two more books that I need to plug into this book, one of which I bought in Ireland, which is half in Irish, you know, like like Gaelic sort of Irish that I need to – it has some good pull quotes in it that I want to use, um, block quotes, rather. Um, but uh, this, this 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 book that I just finished has got some really dark – some dark moments in it. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think you can talk – I don't think you can talk about that the subject of, you know, paranormal child abduction without talking about um, – you know, the missing 411 stuff. And and the thing about the missing 411 stuff that I find fascinating, and it's probably speaks, it probably is arguably against, it argues against the statement that I just made about, you know, thinking that I've got part of it figured out. But the missing 411 stuff has really turned into a, a Rorschach test for the paranormal. Um, you know, if you're, oh, you're, I like you're that. Into, That's deep, yeah. Well, if you're into Bigfoot, you're going to see Bigfoot. And if you're into UFOs, you're going to see that. And so, That's again, totally it's, true, and I never thought of it that way, yeah. Well, the irony is that, you know, what am I into and what do I see at play? Fairies and fairies. But I don't think this is this is where I will stand uh, quasi-firm. I don't think that there is any, um, there is any existence uh, explanation that explains every facet of the missing 411 mythos as parsimoniously as... The fairy fate, um, because you know, if you do the Sasquatch thing, you've got to answer, well, why are why is inclement weather always involved in these missing case person cases? You know, if you do the alien thing, you've got to ask why there seems to be you know this correspondence between berry bushes and berry picking or boulder fields. If you if you think that it's the government doing it, then why is the government taking people's clothes off? If you think it's a serial killer, then why are, why are you know? Where what serial killer operates over the space of you know hundreds of years, but there is a precedent literally for every single aspect of the missing 411 uh, you know uh, characteristics and the missing 411 trends in fairy folklore. Um, and it's not only like one of these things like oh there's this one obscure quote no like no it's it's an established fact that the, you know fairies use whirlwinds and storms to uh, you know to abduct people. You know, it's it's a it's a well established fact. I found an essay with like dozens of examples of people who go berry picking and who claim to have been abducted by fairies and or were warned, you know, traditionally in their families against berry picking because it attracts fairies. Um, you know, there are precedents for, you know, why people are found without clothing in the missing four one one uh cases. There 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 are precedent there's a precedent and a parallel for that in fairy lore. And so over the course of the book, I sort of outline a lot of the things that um, that 
you know, people historically, you know, kept their children from doing to keep them from being abducted by fairies. And, again, also, I'll talk about alien abduction, too. But I outlined things that, that sort of the, uh, the, the repellent that people had to keep their children from being abducted by the fairies. And, you know, a lot of these things line up with the missing 411 stuff. Or a lot of the risks. I yeah. those too. A lot of a lot of them line up as well. So, and the thing that the the way I paint myself out of this corner is I don't know what the fairy face describes. I don't know what fairy lore describes, but I think that it's. I don't think what it describes is what it thinks it's describing. If that makes sense, any sense. In other words, it's trying to describe something that the alien, the, you know, modern abduction mythos is trying to describe as well. Both yeah. of them are probably, and both of them are probably incorrect, but there is a lot less dogma around the fairy faith versus around what you find in ufology. And, um, you know, whatever, whatever the, whatever the fairy faith is describing is, is the, is something that is playing a role behind the missing 411 stuff. I don't know, if it literally means fairy folk, or if it's it's trying to describe something else that it literally can't describe, but it's it's getting at the same root, um, the same root uh, cause. Interesting. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Kind of like how they were like, uh, go back to that Rorschach idea. How they were like UFOs back in the day were like airships, and then they were this, you know, Foo Fighters, and then they were uh, flying saucers, and then black triangles. Maybe it's like. The fairy, the, pe- the, the the disappearing people is the same phenomenon, just in a modern lens. Where now it's yeah. like we don't know what it is. It's it's, it's missing for, you know. And that's uh, with all due respect to David Polides, it's like in a way it's kind of his fault and his genius, where it's like he doesn't ascribe it to any thing. So it's just like this hanging mystery of like missing four one one. It's like it would essentially be the same thing as as the fairy lore back in the day, where it's like, what happened? It was like, oh, a fairy took her away, and now it would be like, missing 411, man. Who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, it's... it's um, I think that whatever modern UFO lore is describing is real. I think that whatever fairy lore describes, described is real. I think they're describing the same thing. I don't think necessarily that they are fairies or UFOs, as we understand. I think it's probably the best way for me to right. put it. But at the same time, like I don't think that anybody like you know, I you know, I put myself on the fringes of the fringe on the fringes of the fringe here. I mean like no one gives a damn about uh about fairy lore really. I mean maybe oh, I played geez, a small man. part yeah, I played a small part in the resurgence, but at the same time like I think that like I think that Yeah, it's you're still, the fairy it's man. Still, it's, it still remains underappreciated in a huge way. Well, yes, but like uh, like a good cult show or cult idea or cult band or whatever, it's like the people that like are interested in it or, or uh, you know, they're, they're the they're the fans you want. I saw you post a thing about Rick and Morty on your Facebook page where it's like, uh, oh, how they cause all that trouble with the Szechuan. There's a big like thing going on with Rick and Morty where it's like it's too popular. Like losers like it now and assholes like it now. It's like, is in a way the fairy idea is kind of like the antithesis of that. Where it's like, at least the people who care about it are at least like smart, intelligent, interested people who you want to converse with. Now, to be fair, and like let, let me get this out there before I get hate mail. 
Um, I haven't seen Rick and Morty yet. I'm sure I would love it because it looks like it's scratching no, all my issues. No, you didn't say that. I, I mean, no. I, I, I was on this. I'm just, no. I'm just I'm just tired of the Szechuan sauce story. Like I'm, it's all over no, my no, Facebook you, feed. Yeah, That's you, all that I see. Yeah, you posted yeah. a thing on Facebook that was like, uh, um, you know, enough of this Rick and Morty Szechuan sauce thing. And the funny part was I started writing a response to you, but then I something came up and I was like, "Welcome back to America, dude. This is this is the news. This is what the news is here. You know, fans of cartoon show riot at McDonald's." That was that, oh, yeah. that was the big news of the weekend. It was like, oh my god! Oh, did you have yeah, my shock? Oh, here's a yeah. Well, thank you to the uh, thank you to all the folks who listen live and um, enjoy the uh, post show part here. And uh, since they already we already lost them, there's no sense in doing the plugs. We'll do this at the end. Um, did this is uh, I don't want to get too deeply into this, but did you? Like, did people, because when I was in Canada, I noticed that uh, people didn't want to bring up, like, America and the whole American political cra- craziness unless you unless you voluntarily, like, brought it up. I noticed. But did any, was it, like, at all topic of conversation with people in Ireland where they were like, oh, Donald Trump, eh? Something like that. Something like that. No. I, impression or anything. I, never, I never heard the word Trump, but I definitely got a lot of sympathy because, I mean, Vegas had just happened. Um, right, right. So, like, that was sort of like, oh, you're from America. Gosh, that sucks. Sorry about that. It's crazy. Is that what brought um, up the gun control talk with the dude, or was that completely? Oh yeah, no, that's, exa- that's exactly. It was oh, like, okay. he was like, I'm sure you've heard that's about what it. I figured, but I'm... you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but like in terms, of, I never, I don't think I ever heard the word. Well, I heard the word Trump once, but it wasn't in a conversation with me. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. That's it good. was uh, all right. Well, yeah, that's just all. What it sounds. Yeah, I, mean, I won't. Like, I won't burden you with the with the Vegas thing, because. Uh, but I, I saw you liked my comment, and we're gonna have uh, Aaron Golius on the show next week talk about conspiracies and stuff like that. But hey. something about that Vegas thing is just really. It's giving me the heebie-jeebies. No, <laughs> like, I mean like it doesn't really add up, and I'm not one of those. And anyone who listens to the show knows I'm like. I fucking hate those conspiracy theories. I hate, like, the Boston one. I hate, like, Sandy Hook. I think all that shit's bullshit. But this one's, like, there's just something that's just kind of weird about this one that doesn't quite make sense. Like, I feel like we're not getting the full story on this one at all. Yeah, I mean, like, don't, I mean, like, I, so I'm sympathetic to conspiracy culture because, like, like, you know, folks like me and you, we live in pretty fragile glass houses compared to the, you know. Yeah, these are fellow travelers, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think that, but at the same time, like, I think that conspiracy culture has really gone up its own ass in like the last three years. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Having, having, having said that, like, yeah, this, this smells weird. And like, I think that like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I know you don't want to go off on a, on a big, on a big tirade about this, but the no, I, but I saw, I saw that you were going to be a complete asshole in a sense, because I saw you liked the thing and it was like, Okay, well, I'm not the only one. <laughs> like, like, no. And he's going to be on the show, so I might as well bring this up in a sense. Cause, uh, to me, it was like, there's just something weird about this. And then when you liked it, I was like, okay, all good. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a complete idiot. That like, no, something, no. something fucking weird is going. Like, you know, when they say, I was talking to our mutual friend Steve Ray on Facebook uh, the other day, and he, I, today, and I said, you know, yesterday they said, oh, now we think the guy checked in on the 25th or the 24th or whatever. 
And all up until yesterday, they said he checked in on the 28th, and it was like, you're the fucking FBI, dude. Like, you don't know when this dude checked into the hotel. It takes you six days to, like, to 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 know when this guy checked into the hotel. Like, that to me, and, he, and maybe it is some bureaucratic bullshit reason why it, it their their information changed, but it's like, if you, if you don't want people talking about conspiracy theories and conjuring conspiracy theories, don't. Don't do such a shitty job of telling us the information, man. Yeah, and, and like, I mean, so, my, well, <laughs> so much to talk about. Um, like, the the amount of time that passed is suspect to me, you know, 72 minutes to, to pin down where he was shooting from? Um, uh, you yeah, know, the I'm, I'm response not wondering... time thing has changed. I mean, I don't know, if, I'm sure you saw this thing yesterday where it was like the guard, uh, Originally, the guard was the one who came to the room, and he freaked out and fucking shot the guard, and then he stopped shooting everybody, and then he killed himself, and now they're like, oh, it turns out the guard was there five minutes before, you know, eight minutes before the shooting started. And it was like, this changes everything. Like, this changes the whole fucking story. Like, what are you talking about? No, I I, I totally agree, and and I'm I'm not one of these people who, like, I... I'm not one of these people who's on like the crisis actor thing or any of that. Quite no, frankly, no, no, what no, I can no. consider what I consider insensitive garbage. Quite frankly, um, but and like I'm not denying that there might be some sort of hidden planned hand in this. Um, you know, one of the things that people are talking about is the fact that Jason Aldean's tattoo is the exact same tattoo oh, as the Illumina, Illuminati card, you know, playing card deck. But I'm also like, that's, that's fucking blackjack. Like, it's, it's, it's like it's like a tattoo that you would get. Now, what's more interesting to me is the fact, and this is ties into how I'm more interested in this as a whole, is the fact that the, you know, the shooting took place on 10-1, and you could read Jack Ace as 10-1, as opposed to, you know, as opposed to blackjack. Um, right, right. And so, in that sense, I'm more inter- I'm more interested in like I don't I'm not sure if I'm on the Illuminati you know hidden hand uh, false flag bandwagon as much as I'm on the Lauren Coleman Twilight language bandwagon, which I think has a right, lot right. a lot of legs. Um, you know, the fact that it's a harvest festival on Ten One and there's a guy named you know Paddock who used to work for you know a defense contractor like that. That all is a lot more interesting to me than some sort of like you know giant. Uh, Giants uh, plan for this to have gone down the road. Right, right. Down. Yeah, yeah. Um, the idea of like these things being fake to me is so ridiculous. It's just that inoffensive. You you hit the nail on the head with that. It's like to me, it's like to imply. I mean, there's people. If you lived in the areas where these things happen, I'm sure you would know or see on the news people that that this happened to. You know, but I guess if you're a true believer, you're like, you're like, the news is fake. It's not really, it's like you're watching like the Vegas, the the Vegas local news, dude. Like you think that's yeah. controlled by the Illuminati? Like Channel yeah. 4? Is, is, <laughs> you know, your local newspaper is controlled by the Illuminati when they report on, you know, the girl from your local high school that got shot? Like to me, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's crazy talk. Yeah, so I mean, like, well, I think there might be a hidden hand in these sort of things. I think it's a hidden hand that's beyond human control. Is sort of what I come around to. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that, and and and, and, and you know, with that, like, I think that's something significant. I think that's 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 what really tickles, well, not tickles my fancy, because that sounds like I'm 
enjoying the fact that this happened. But, um, well, because, like, the, the whole thing is, like, you know, false flags are pushed through an agenda, but the agenda never gets pushed through. Like, I don't know the agenda. Right. Is, you know, um, you know I, I would, I would I be more, I would be more open to the idea of some sort of ritualistic thing than I would necessarily, like, a, a, an agenda being, like, a governmental or, you know, human society civilization based agenda being pushed right. through. Yeah, it makes more sense in that regard. It's just too it's funny in a sense because the the to steal a phrase from the classic paranormal uh nomenclature and idea it's like but to but then to throw it on its head, it's like I want I want to believe the the, the mainstream story, but they're doing such a terrible job of putting it out there that I, I, I'm left with no option but to be, like, very suspicious. It's like well, if they had come out and been like, here are the facts, and they didn't just change them after after a week, I'd be like, okay. But I should note, and Steve Ray, God bless him, made a very good point that it, uh, I'd already thought of, but he kind of reinforced it. It's like, you know, this who knows, the guard who, who changed the, the, the story surrounding the guard – that changed. Maybe he was doing some shit, and he didn't want to tell the the cops. Like maybe he was doing something, you know, that he didn't want people to know he was doing, and then stumbled upon this guy, and then next thing you know, and it's like so his story changed or some shit like that. So like I mean, so there's, there's human elements that we can't necessarily like ascribe to some grandiose plan. Yeah, and that yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that, and. um but again, it's, it's not like there's one discrepancy. I mean, there's a lot of discrepancies. Somebody, somebody, I was listening to the higher side chat today because I, I'm interested in like, I'm interested in how like the cons- conspiracy community is is is, is you know, handling this. And an interesting, yeah. an interesting, an interesting question was brought up that I have not ever thought of that I was wondering what the answer of it is. Um, so you, when you see these. Um, these estimates of, of, you know, casualties from these events, uh, why does the death count always go up and the injured count not go down simultaneously? What do you mean? I just assume, like, the people that, they can save all the people who were initially injured and they don't, maybe the death count goes up, like, it by one or two. But you'd think that if the initial report was 50, 50 dead, fifty let's just say, let's throw out some numbers fifty dead, fifty wounded, right? Yeah. Tomorrow you'd expect it to be fifty one dead, forty nine wounded, right? Yeah, I guess. But I think the idea or, or, is or, or am that I being dead? Like am were... I being dead? Well, you know, am I being am I no, being dead somehow about this or? No, I don't think you're being dense. I just think it's like because um, that never that rarely happens, right? Like the the, the 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 wounded estimate never is revised. Now maybe that's like some sort of stylistic no, wounded, guideline. Or... No, it's just that um, it's like okay, let's say there was a shooting, right? Fifty dead, fifty wounded. Um, just because the fifty people get out of the hospital doesn't mean they like weren't wounded. So uh, it's only like forever. What the shithead guy did is forever like fifty fifty. Right, but uh, like it was a terrible like, shooting. Fifty people died and fifty people were wounded. It's like just because you went to the hospital because the guy shot you in the leg and you got better doesn't mean you weren't <laughs> shot in the leg no, by the guy but, at the but, thing. But the, the assumption is that 
as the death toll climbs post as the death toll climbs post incident, those are the wounded becoming the dead, right? So you would assume that one number. Yeah, you would assume you would you would assume that one number would go up and the the other number would go down. Unless so, like, why does the why 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 is it always the dead, the uh, the death toll that goes up and the and the, and the wounded number never goes? I I I never thought of that. There might be some sort of very very mundane and prosaic explanation for that, but uh, I never really thought of that. Like, yeah, I mean, to me it seems like to me it just seems like a kind of thing where it's like they just don't they just don't even realize. I mean, I never thought of it until you mentioned it, but they probably just don't even think to be like, well, since the guy died, he's not wounded anymore, so take one off the wounded. I think they just, I, honestly, I never, like, it never dawned on me, but I bet you that's yeah, exactly either. what they would say, yeah. too. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's morose to think about, but it's like, yeah, you're right in a sense. It's like, okay, they should take one off the wounded, because clearly that was the person that uh, that died. Yeah, but again, it's those sort of things. Like, I mean, well, I like I mean, what irritates me in a sense is like that they don't like everybody. I think the reaction of everybody when they said the guy was like six minutes uh, before the shooting started was like, "What? Like that doesn't make any sense." And, and but the coverage was like the mainstream media coverage was just like. Okay, the police revised their thing. Here's how it happened now. Without any, like, being... And even the articles are like, the police dramatically changed the timeline of events in Las Vegas without being like, okay, like, how did they fuck this up in the first place? Like, why didn't they know this? Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, like, you'd think that there would be certain things that you could lock in pretty early on that would stay fixed. But that hasn't been the case in this case. Yeah. Right. And now, like is, I said before, it's like I want to believe. I, I I really don't I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of what happened in Las Vegas, but to me it's like they're they're making it very difficult by not knowing what this guy was doing. Uh I just find it hard to believe too that they just can't figure out like why why he did it. You know, to me, it to me it just it feels like he he that that they that they have to have figured it out and they don't want us to know why. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it, it definitely feels. It's just like a lot of the other a lot of the other tragic. We have to say this, but like a lot of the other a lot of the other shootings um, that people wanted to jump to conspiratorial um, uh, conclusions don't have this same flavor. Like, they just don't. Um, right. the, the lone wolf has felt like a lone wolf. But this felt like, like, it's almost like they're, it's almost like if you want to buy into the narrative that all of these have been orchestrated, that they're getting cocky or confident. Like, let's see how far we can press, we can push this ridiculousness, you know? Let's give them 14, how many guns is it that he has now? Like, 14 or something? Like. But I will say this. Uh because I was reflecting upon my own fascination with this case, and I was like, um, I can see, as much as I really fucking loathe the Sandy Hook people, it's like, uh, uh, you know, the conspiracy theorists, I mean, of course. Um, I can see, like, what's that? I said Jesus, I hope that's what you meant. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's 2017. You have to fucking clarify everything. To best. <laughs> yeah. Someone could take something out of context, and the next thing you know, you're 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 on CNN as the villain of America because you said something <laughs> that they took out of yeah. context. So, um, I can see why that conspiracy theory sort of like grew, and it's similar to this one because you just don't these. I I think and and. The point I'm trying to make, which goes against all of our what we were just talking about in the sense where it's like villain of America, it's like I can see why these conspiracies spring up because there's no answers and people are trying desperately to like make sense of something that's so senseless that they that that that, that these narratives, these alternative narratives, like spring up. And with with situations like where the guy shot up the gay club in Orlando it was like he was a there was a lot it seemed like there was like eight different <laughs> reasons why he did that and all the other times you know people like have manifestos and web pages and you know Facebook posts it's like with the, with the kid that shot up the elementary school and this guy it's like there's no fucking reason why they did this yeah I mean that's well exactly like there's not. With this one, and of course, that's the old chestnut. It's like the the idea that conspiracy theories make you feel like there is control in an uncontrolled universe, right? Um, but at the same time, like this is <laughs> they're gonna have to go a ways to find an answer for why what for motivation in this case, I think. Right. Because um, nothing that I've heard makes a lick of sense. Like a lick of yeah. sense. Um, you know, he was like a super I, I would, millionaire. I would, <laughs> I, I, know. I would, I would, you know, yeah, I would buy his girlfriend broke up with him more than anything else that is being you know tossed around at this point. Um, right, right. The whole thing know, is I, like superficial. But, like, but like I said, part of me is like I, I, I'm up against a wall in the sense where it's like, okay, don't, go, <laughs> don't go down this road because, you know, just because you don't know the answer doesn't mean there's some fantastic answer <laughs> to it. It's like the guy, you know, and it seems so lazy in a way, but at the same time, it's like the guy just could have snapped. The guy just could have gone fucking nuts. Well, you know, as as uh, somebody that I've encouraged you to get on the podcast before has said that I'm very fond of quoting Gordon White, um, said in his I latest... I can't get every uh, guest you suggest on the show. I, I, I just suggest one, Tim. Jeez. Um, <laughs> you suggested uh, Ren, and I chose Ren. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but, uh, as, as Gordon White says, you know, if, if you're a doctor whose wife has a history of living with someone who is, you know, is who, who, who practices domestic abuse, and this one time she says that she fell down the stairs, what are you like? Maybe she fell down the stairs, but you've got to like kind of think that maybe she didn't. And yeah, like you know, right. the, Government, the government is fine with doing fishy stuff. And, like, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm a patriot, I'm I'm a right-leaning guy, but, like, the government has... In, Do you take a knee at the flag at the national anthem or not? That's the other thing we need to talk about since no, you've been gone. It's a big good. thing that's part of America now. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> the, government has a, the government has a history of... of practice, of doing some, you know, really crappy practices, like, on record, like, you know, the... Uh, you know, the the Tuskegee experiments. You know, just like the, the, you know, oh, and, it just and, came out. They tested yeah. some kind of uh, they tested some kind of like radiation shit on Canadians. Oh, geez. 
for real. Yeah. <laughs> like well, this yeah, week. Yeah. Google it, I'm telling you. Uh, let's let's bring up Project Paperclip. Let's bring up, um, you know, um, let's bring up uh, Pin K Ultra. Like, all these things are not a matter of debate. So, like, at some point, like, when things like this have to happen, they, they fall between the spectrum of, you know, Illuminati and complete coincidence, I think. Um, and normally I'm willing to give them more, you know, I'm willing to go to the, I'm willing to lean more toward the complete coincidence side of things. But this one just doesn't, it's like, it's like trying to swallow a bite of something that makes it halfway down your throat. It's like, I just, gosh, a little, a little bit more, you know. Yeah. Well, here's something that'll wet your knickers, Josh. Uh, you know, John Podesta, who ran the Hillary Clinton campaign? Right, right, right. Yeah, right. He just uh, retweeted um, the Huffington Post article about Tom DeLonge, and he said, stay tuned for a big announcement tomorrow. The truth is out there. So John Podesta is apparently affiliated or associated with the, uh, the Tom DeLonge project, but we'll see yeah, what happens. Well, if there was if there was if there was a life changing announcement, there would be more hype. And right now it's it's the boy who cried wolf. Um I think that there's Well I don't know, have you heard the new let me just read this thing, let me see if I can find the uh the part that stood out to me. Hold on one moment. Here's the line that made me uh my eyebrows go up because to me then it was like, Okay, the jig is up. Fast forward to the present. Now these early advisors have mostly receded to the background, and Tom has moved on to something even bigger. He has assembled a new team of collaborators and created the To the Academy. This is like the The To the Academy. I'm sorry, one more time. It's those two thes. The To the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. T T S A A S. Yeah, how about that word, salad? For which he is president and interim CEO. The academy includes three synergistic divisions. Are you ready? These are the three critical divisions here for disseminating this information. Science, aerospace, and entertainment. And so once I saw the entertainment part, I kind of was like, all right, this is not to be taken seriously. This is a yeah. – this is, is like a – Right. Yeah. This is gonna be like we're 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 gonna we're gonna share our secrets about the UFOs in an all new reality series about us trying to decipher the UFO phenomenon or whatever. It's like if you're putting an academy of esteemed scientists and uh whistleblowers and advisors in there, like why are you <laughs> Do something. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is the, this is the equivalent. This is the equivalent of a ghost hunting group that makes the T-shirt before they fucking go on a ghost hunt. You follow just of the year, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's um. It's astoundingly. I mean, like, look. I would. Well, part of me would love for tomorrow to be, you know. Uh, big D disclosure, but, uh, you know, and part of me wouldn't. But at the same time, like, part of me would like for it to be something rather than, like, you know, a wet fart. And I think that we're, you know, this is this is wet fart 20, 2017. Um, I don't 
I, I think that you're you're hitting the nail on the head. This is just sort of like you know smoke and mirrors, and like, I love that. Like the the ghosts, the ghosts, the ghost hunters who make the shirt before they go on the expedition. Like that's just so. That's what it is, dude. Well, it, 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 now, look, yeah, they're going to come they, out and be like, "Here's here's anything that could even possibly confirm any of this shit," which they're not going to do. They're going to tease that they know. They're going to tease. You know, it's going to be a big fucking tease, man. It's going to be like, oh, I saw things that I can't talk about, but when we unveil our later products and stuff and, you know, all that, then you're going to well, kind of understand what I'm talking about. Well, this is, That's this is all also you're going to see. Be, yeah. this is also going to be, I uh, hope I'm wrong, dude. I hope I'm wrong. No, it's, it's also going to be like one of those sort of UFO chestnuts that's going to stick around forever where it's like he really knew something. No, he didn't, you know. No, he really he knew this. No, he didn't. You know, it's just going to yeah. be back and forth like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 not going to it's not going to go away. It's like a scar. We're going to bear the scar for a long time before it fades. Um, oh yeah, well I was joking oh. with uh, with Mark O'Connell on the show where it's like uh, he wrote the J. Allen Hynek book. It's like you go from J. Allen Hynek, who's uh, you know an esteemed astronomer and uh Stan Friedman who's a nuclear physicist and discovered fucking Roswell and then to Tom DeLong. It's like that yeah. that's the devolution of, of, of ufology there, man. It's like what? And this is my thing, like if he actually had any sort of um governmental support behind him, you would have seen a lot more if the scope of the announcement is what some people think it would be or have thought it would be. And it wouldn't be done the day before. <laughs> like, well, yeah, you, you would have, it would have been done the day before, and it would be ubiquitous. You know what I mean? Like, it would be on it would be on CNN. It would be on Fox. It would be on everything. You're not seeing that. You're seeing, like, an article from Huffington Post. You're seeing an article from, like, I don't know, right. IO9 or something. Like, you know, if if if, if there were these big uh, – uh, we're after hours. Oh, it'll here. go to our press tomorrow, if, though. It'll go if, to our press tomorrow. But yeah, I think they're going to yeah, tease yeah, – I think they'll tease that – uh, like I said, they won't give anything out. They'll just tease shit that they they think they know, you know? Right. But, and but we it, talk it, about it, conspiracy theories, dude, and I'm sure, like, I don't even want to fucking touch this one, but considering what I told you to start this conversation, just the very fact that John Podesta retweeted the tweet now is like chum in the water for lunatic Pizzagate people to jump like you know to jump on this and cloud it I mean that guy whether you believe that shit or not personally I don't but if you believe it or not the guy's just toxic to like fucking the online community of people who are like who assign all this shit to him so as soon as he it may sound to some people like oh this is great John Podesta fucking retweeted the thing but to me it was like oh Jesus dude just don't touch just don't touch any UFOs, man. You're toxic. Don't fucking even get involved with UFOs, dude. No, if, if there were big, if there were big swinging G-man dicks behind this, you would have. It would be all over every news outlet, and we would have been hearing about it for a week. And you're not. It's 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 in it's <laughs> appropriately enough for UFOs. It's in the margins. Um, you right. know, and I think it's going to be something like you know, it's going to be something like the. I mean. <laughs> 
there might be a tidbit or like a nuanced like a nuanced comment that can be dissected ad nauseum, but it's not going to be the second coming that we were promised. And you know, I hate to be the person over here saying I told you so, but uh, yes, told you so. Well, the good thing is I don't put the show up for like two days, so by the time the show airs, we'll either look like assholes or or, uh, or we'll be right. But nice. you know. so we can choose our own, we can choose our own adventure here. Uh, I can't imagine that I'd be very surprised if, like, if, like, we're sitting here on Thursday and being like, they disclosed the UFO phenomenon. Although, I, I've i joked on the show half seriously uh, that, like, I think the secret, I think I called you up after the election and told you this in private. It was like, the secret to UFO disclosure is getting Trump to fucking respond to it. So, if, if, if I'm going to... After the press conference tomorrow, I'm going to tweet Trump myself and be like, are you going to let these guys show you up, dude? You should tell the world about UFOs. Uh, because because that, if you agitate him enough, he'll probably fucking talk about UFOs at some point. We can get him to slip up and say something. I don't know. Like, unless, unless his life has been deliberately threatened, which, you know, I I can see somebody being like, here's the dossier, here's Here's what we'll do to you if you say anything. You know. Um. He seems to me, for how much as I loathe the man, he seems he seems to me like someone who's so crazy he can't be threatened. So he, he's just like, I'm gonna do what I want when I want, and uh, you know, be damned. And so far, it's fucking crazily worked out for him. He's like the lying. He's like the backwards George Costanza. He like does everything you sh- you shouldn't do. He somehow uh, it works out for him, but we shall you know, see. I, It'll be an interesting press I, conference, I'm sure, about that. I've, I've come. I've been thinking, I was thinking about this in the checkout line today at the grocery store. Like I, I well, these are Cutchin musings. Yeah, right. Deep thoughts with Josh Cutchin. Um, I Joshua, wait, the what was the name again? Joshua Cutchling. Cutchling, yeah, Joshua Cutchling. My 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 Fortran ideas. Fortran Musings. That's a Twitter joke for anybody who doesn't know. Um, but um, you know, I, I I don't I don't think that the guy is playing three dimensional chess. But I do think that I do think that he recognizes when stuff will get a knee jerk reaction out of people. Like this whole thing about him coming up with the word fake, like. I have maybe maybe I'm just maybe I'm giving way too much credit, but I don't think that he actually believes that he came up with the word fake. Um, no, of course not. But but I can totally see him just saying that to just because that's sort of what he that's sort of what he wrote into Talon, right? Is just like getting a rise out of people. Like he's he's like the high school he's like the, the playground bully that likes to get a rise out of you and likes to say stuff, yeah, it's even though he knows yeah. it's absolutely it's true. Yeah, absolutely untrue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's my take anyway. Yeah, well, I joked about it earlier with this thing with the. Uh, I mean, they're still going on about this kneeling at the, at the national anthem at the, at the football games. It's like, it's just to me, it's just such a ridiculous fucking argument to have. It's like let the people kneel. Who cares? Just don't. If they well, want to kneel and you want to stand, do what the fuck you want and leave. Just leave them alone. Just like yeah, you know, yeah. just don't. Don't get involved. Like, what do you care? You know, if you don't respect their argument, then don't, like, don't even acknowledge it. 
I mean, personally, I see what they're well, saying. I, I, I get why they're protesting. And to me, it's like, do whatever you want, though. It's like, just don't attack I mean, somebody else for doing the, what they want to do. The, this is the thing to me that has... So it struck me when people were all, you know, wringing their hands about fake news allegations when there is a news media that didn't talk to you about Flint and didn't talk to you about Standing Rock. And it's right. a similar thing where there's a news media that is all up in arms about kneeling for a flag and, like, the amount of coverage for, like, this, this national anthem stuff versus the amount of coverage about what's happened in Puerto Rico is astounding. Right. And it's it's, it's illustrative of where it's we are criminal. as a nation. It's like, criminal is what it is. It's criminal, well, I mean, it's something, that, something, that, something that Seth Rogen said on his podcast not long ago is, like, we're a nation of gossips, and that's all that we care about. We only care about gossip. Oh, it's so true. We only care about feuds. We only care about, you know, um, Kardashians, reality TV. We're a, we're a fucking reality TV country, man. Like, we've turned and, into that. And you know what? I put that as much on us as I do on anything that has ever come out of the president's mouth. I do. Like it's, Oh, it's, yeah, absolutely, it's, dude. It's totally. It's, yes. Cause yeah. I think, and honestly, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I think the people listening here can agree, and, and they'll pat themselves on the back, and rightfully so, because at least we're fucking detached enough from it to know that. Yeah. To know that, like, yeah. we're living in this fucked up reality TV world <laughs> that, that, that and, and and it's terrifying in a sense, because you have no, we're in the minority, <laughs> we're in the deep minority, dude. Like, we don't care about the Kardashians. Like, we don't, you know, we don't. We're not plugged into this shit, and it's like it's not that we're getting old. It's like that people like the whole society is getting so superficially moronic. Well, and here's my flip side is that, you know, like, you know, a lot of the same people who are concerned about respecting the right to – because I think, you, I think you do have a right to not, you know – not put your hand over your heart for the national anthem, whatever. But I think it's, it's funny that the same people who are – who are defending that right are willing to overlook the incredible amount of misogyny and rape and literal murder and violence in the NFL amongst players for the sake of, you know, for the sake of their bread and circuses that are, that is the national football league. People that would decry that same amount of corruption and that same amount of uh, deplorable action in any other industry, because as a percentage, it's huge. If you look at the number of people no, that are you're absolutely the, right about that. Like, yeah. If you look at the number of people that are actually on the field playing that have been involved in some shady shit, it's more than any oh, other, almost any yeah. other industry. And, and but we don't care because they're there to entertain us. And like you look at the way that the country was galvanized after an NFL referee strike, like that's the most united this country has ever been. <laughs> and uh, you know maybe this is because I was a fat kid that everybody wanted me to play. You know everybody wanted me to play football, and so I decided to play too. But like. I've I have I have a serious axe to grind for the numbing, uh, like you know, is religion the opiate of the masses? No, professional sports are, and especially football. Well, I like, think that will get behind this, and they will they will just they will throw all their concern behind this tri- this retribalization of ourselves, and we will make excuses as long as we have to, just so that we're entertained. Well, I'll say this, the. I, I totally agree with you, and I'm going to take it to another level in a sense, because uh, if you think about it, there's like three elements at work here. 
it's like the super rich billionaire owners trying to like tell people what to say, what not to say. There's yeah. the players, and the third thing is, is like they're all killing each other. Well, not the the owners aren't, but like the the players, their whole job is to like smash into each other, man. <laughs> oh like, yeah, so and they're dying from study. that. You know, and it's like it's study. not even. If anything, it's like as crazy as it sounds, and I'm sure. I maybe I may lose like four listeners right now who are like, I've had enough of this. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. But it's like maybe the NFL itself should be fucking outlawed because it's like it's not seem to be doing any good for anyone other than the people watching on TV. It's like literally the gladiator fights. Like they're killing each other, smashing their heads into each other, <laughs> you know, for the for the profit and, and spectacle of America. I mean, there was a study uh, that I've heard cited numerous times where. They examined a hundred NFL players, um, and oh, ninety-nine yeah, they have problems. Yeah, yeah, ninety-nine had had uh, serious problems with with uh, brain damage. Yeah, um, I think you and I are both going to get a tweet tonight from Carlos Garza being like, "Put on your tutus and pay play ballet, boys." Hey, like I, I, I love look, I, I, I love Carlos. You don't um, come on, kiss the love to Carlos like, Garza. There, I was that was more of a Carlos Garza shout out. Um, but uh, you know, and and I'm like, if, if you want, if you want to watch football, watch football. Just acknowledge it for how incredibly ugly it is, and don't try to make it into like this beautiful American thing. I mean, it's American. Yeah, no, like, it's, it, it really so is. Like, honestly, like the more I think about it, talking to you, it's like it really is like the gladiator fights of our modern times. It's like you can't you can't have a dude go kill someone else, but at the same time, you can have a go a dude go smash some dude in the head, you know, with a shitty helmet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and they die like twenty years later. It's like okay. No, any any social injustice, and we don't care. But change the Redskins logo when we're up in arms. It's just it's. Exactly. It's nuts. It's nuts. Um, and now we sound like old men. Oh, well. Um, yeah, pretty much. Well, I'm going to let you go in a moment, but I want to talk about one last thing since uh, I was off last week, and you're a musician and uh, a true lover of great music. I got to tell you, man, I was pretty fucking... I was pretty crushed by the death of Tom Petty. I thought that... Uh, I. I love Dylan. I think he's the greatest of all time. I think Dylan's like the American Shakespeare. Um, but Tom Petty was like, he was like right there with him, man. Just so many good songs, man. Just so many good songs. Like, And it's it's a heartbreaking loss. I, I was really, 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 uh, I was just like, and what I liked about Tom Petty was that he wasn't, uh, I said this on all my posts. He was unassuming. He wasn't. He was never like this rock star dude. You know what I mean? He was always just like, it's Tom Petty, man. He just makes great songs. Um, yeah, I mean, so look at it like makes me. I joked. I joked on Twitter about how Cutchin doesn't know about Mr. Belvedere. I'm old, but to me, it was like this one. Maybe <laughs> this one made me feel old too. Where it's like, man, just dude, Tom Petty died. Like, what the. Yeah, you know, I think I think you made a good point about like the way that he was sort of a part of America's musical fabric, while not he he was he was he was a uh, he was a thread in the musical fabric, while not sticking out as a as a as a knot, you know. Um, right, right. He, he and you know the fact that he 
he sort of I mean, he did some he did some film and TV stuff, but the fact that he largely um, you know eschewed that right on the cusp of that era when people were doing that sort of thing, um, I think speaks a lot to um, speaks a lot to his, his character. Um, it also speaks a lot to sort of the weight that this carries is to like sort of the area era that he was in that sort of generation of musicians that he was a part of. I mean, yeah. I'm making, a, I'm making a list in my head of like who else, who else from that era that I'm you know anxious to see see go, and uh, you know obviously Dylan's part of it and, and Clapton is, is another one that I don't want to see go. Um, but uh, I mean it's it just yeah like who's left Dylan yeah. Clapton Paul McCartney like Paul Simon well come on come on come on very Easy few wonder. no I'm just Easy that's wonder. a reach but at the same time it's like who who else left. Oh, the guy, I guess the guy's yeah. from uh, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are plenty of other people. We're down to like a that, dozen, dude. We're down to like ten people, ten people that are left that are like iconic yeah. figures. Yeah. It's scary. No, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I totally agree. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there was a, after, you know, the deeper you go on, like, the, the Bowie, the Bowie discography, um, the more it becomes personal taste. And I think that there are some aspects of the Dylan discography that are a matter of personal taste. Um, oh, yeah, of course, but, yeah, yeah. But I think, but I think that the, the, the Petty discography is pretty much uniformly listenable and at the same time not sacrificing listenability for actually being, you know, well put together, decent, thoughtful music, which is something that's, it's, 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 it's a fine line to tread. I think he did it really well. Um yeah, it, he was he was it, it, he was one of the very very greats, man. Yeah, his, his his death hit me in one sense, and the fact that like I didn't you know wasn't like he was battling this or that. Um, no, it just but, came out of nowhere. It's like what Tom Petty? Yeah, Wait a minute! Yeah. Like no one told me Tom Petty could die. Well, yeah, it, it, I was about to say he feels like one of those people like you know, like Mick Jagger. If like, anything, like, I, I thought he would be like the old die. man. I thought, like, you know, we were talking about these icons and shit. Was like, I always kind of envisioned him as, like, the old man after they're all gone. The bridge. Yeah. You know, the bridge I mean, to the how next. How old was he? It's like when the bridge dies, it's like, shit, I'm really old, man. <laughs> you, you remember how old, uh, how old Tom Petty was? Like 66, 65. I mean, like, that's, that's part of why it's surprising, too, right? I mean... I think I don't know. I mean, I'll look that up while we talk. But yeah, that was. It's just sad, man, you know. That doesn't happen as often in America, you know. I may get him. I, honestly, and this is horrifying, but I may, I may have gotten him confused with with the dude that shot up all those people in Vegas. Because <laughs> I know he was like sixty four, sixty five. Let's see how old is somebody. Uh, the powers of be. He was sixty six. He was sixty six, so yeah, I was right. And that's 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 part of why it's striking too, I think. Well we're getting older, yeah. That's only twenty six Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the funny part, yeah. yeah. As you get older you're like you get closer and closer to the age when people die, so you're <laughs> it's like it's like, Oh my god, it's so sad, he died. He was only forty two and you're like, Uh oh. That's <laughs> That's only four years <laughs> <Yeah>. from, <laughs> from where I am. I'm not some 20 year old kid that, you know. Well, you know, he, I managed, I managed to make it well past the the 27 club. 
to survive to at any moment. Even scarier is the, is the lack of rhyme or reason because, like, I'm sure that there are plenty of people in the rock and roll industry who are kicking it hard, who have put less, th- who have put worse things in their body than Tom Petty. And oh yeah, Keith Richards. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And who, who are just still like doing great and like you know, I guess it's just yeah, it's just disposition. And you know, if your if your name's on the ledger, you got to go. Ain't that the truth, my friend? All right, so you wrote this book. On that note. <laughs> uh, and when's it coming out? When can people buy the fairy book? Um, probably. Well, it's um, it's going to be about uh, paranormal child abduction. It's coming out uh, the f- first half of 2018. Oh wait, so it's not. I thought it's, you were writing a fairy book, though. Well, I mean, it's it's the book is roughly divided into paranormal child abduction in the fairy folk era, and then paranormal child abduction in the UFO era, and then comparing. Oh, so the two. it's all oh, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah. I thought yeah. you were writing just because, a fairy book in general. What's the title of this book? Uh, the title isn't confirmed yet because it's you know that's that's um, that's uh, the nicest that's way to say child abduction in French or some shit. <laughs> no, no, no. Shit. <laughs> I thought, I thought like yet. Well, it's it it it's to a lot of things like, you know, whether or not there's another book out there with a with a title like this and whether or not Patrick likes it. Patrick likes the title that I've chosen, which is Thieves in the Night. Um Ooh, I like but, that. Yeah, it's and it's um it's it's so it looks at uh captures the idea of things, yeah. It's 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 about um fairy abduction uh child abduction in the fairy in the fairy lore. Um and it looks at uh Child abduction in in lore worldwide, like indigenous folklore worldwide, then child abduction in the UFO era, and then sort of the last uh, couple of chapters are Sasquatch um, and the missing 411 thing, and then sort of my conclusions. Uh, and it all sort of wraps up into one big ball of wax, I think. So it should be coming out um, first half of 2018 is when Patrick goes. And that's from Anomalous books? Yeah, through, it'll be through Anomalous, yeah. They do great work. They published your last two books, right? Yes, mm-hmm. uh, a Trojan feast um, about the food and drink offerings of alien series and Sasquatch, and uh, the Brimstone Deceit, which is all about smells and the paranormal. Well, I wish we had more time to talk about smells of the paranormal, my friend, but we're up against the clock. It's okay, buddy. No worries. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed this conversation and. Uh, I like hearing about people's vacations, so uh, fuck everybody else. They don't like it. I want to go to Ireland. We'll go there. I want to put my head on that fucking rock where your head falls inside. So, <laughs> right. so well, I, I hope everybody else like likes hearing about my vacation because that's what they got. So, uh, yeah. Well, you left your stamp on this season, my friend. So thank you very much. Uh, I love you, buddy. I'll see you soon in, uh, in New Orleans, I hope. Yeah, I'll and, Keep us posted on when the book comes out, and good luck, my friend. Thank you for coming we'll on the show. Too. Yeah, we'll do. I love you, buddy, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Oh, hey, what's your website now? Where should we send folks to get these books and stuff? <laughs> that might still be my website, joshuacutchin.com. It, it's not the sexiest thing in the world. i gotta, I got to work on something. All right, joshuacutchin.com. All right, man. Yeah. I'm always doing Sorry, my job to make sure others can... Uh, official, oh, official. <laughs> All 
I, I had to laugh because at the top, it's, I just called it up. It says, official website. No, like a big bar, Joshua Cutchin, and there's a big picture of you. So, <laughs> official <laughs> website, that's all, yeah. Yeah. Who made, yeah, who made this? Who made this website for you, dude? I didn't know you needed. Yeah. Don't go to any of those Joshua Hutchins websites. They're unauthorized. They are bootleg. There's some bootleg Cutchin websites out there that we just do not endorse. So you want to go to joshuahutchins.com. That's the official website. Yeah, you can't control All right, man, I'll see you. I wish I could see you before uh, New Orleans, but I, I know I will see you there, and then we'll have some adventures, hopefully driving back to Georgia. I want to do the road oh, yeah. trip with you uh, for Paramania, so we'll talk about that off the air. But yeah. until then, good night, my buddy, and we'll uh, talk soon. Good night, bud. Bye. Joshua Cutchin, thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. Uh, check out his website, joshuacutchin.com. We're up against the clock here. Uh Next week on the show, Aaron Gullius is going to talk about conspiracy theories. Who knows what's going to happen with this thing until uh, next week. But as you can imagine, and based on our conversation tonight uh, with Joshua Cutchin, I'm like fascinated by this Vegas thing. So I'm hoping that Aaron Gullius has taken a look at it and uh, can give us some insight into what he thinks. That'll be next week on the program. Uh, what is it? 10, 17, 17. Creepy. Until next time, my friends, this is Tim and all. Thank you for listening and signing off.